Did you know that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where Lower the Friction comes in by putting a protective, lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to LowerTheFriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's LowerTheFriction.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're looking good here. I just got to make a few adjustments because we're doing a little bit different stuff here today. Hope everyone's doing well. My name is Jason Lindgren. Welcome to the weekly Secrets of Saturn live stream. With me this week is Wayne McCroy, the great Baldini, and we have a newcomer, although he's not new to me. I know who he is. His name is Zach, Zach Zabala. Uh, he is frequently on with Iron Realm Media and a bunch of other folks. Really hell of a nice guy. Gentlemen, welcome aboard. Good evening. Hola, oh, you're speaking multiple languages, my friend. <laughs> oh, you're going to lose me in a minute. <laughs> I only speak English and not very well. I'm illiterate in several languages, so I... <laughs> as long as you're not illegitimate. <laughs> illegitimate, right. <laughs> Zach, how are you, my friend? It's good to have you here. I'm doing pretty good. We uh, got to the North Carolina area. Got settled in last night. Um, it's beautiful. I'm back home. I'm in the woods, so nice. I'm very happy. I have my guitar with me, and guitars are good. My books, yeah. Well, my books. I felt so naked out there in Denver, um, without my little library of how to, you know, live off without all any help from anybody. So I really, really felt it's you know just naked without all that knowledge. I haven't had the chance to read all these books. <laughs> and yeah, without all that knowledge, I don't I don't know if I could do it. So yeah, I'm much better now. I am so at ease. I feel yeah, it's it's been a good year, but it's going to get better. I know it. We don't have a lot of people in here yet. I wonder if I fooled them too much earlier when I played that little video made by uh, a mutual friend and listener. <laughs> we had a couple hundred people jump on that one. But anyway, if you haven't seen that, that's up on my channel. A uh, gentleman took some of our, oh, I don't remember what episode it was from, but it was Crow and Wayne speaking, and he tightly edited it nicely with some imagery uh, to talk about what's going on right now. So that Good four stuff. or five minutes, whatever it is, <clears throat> that is up. I think it was from the uh, episode we did on the masks and the idea of the masquerade and where that came from, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was definitely one of the more I, recent ones, absolutely. Yeah, I don't remember the episode number, but I think that's the one it came from. Um, what books would I recommend on that topic? What topic are we talking about? I, I haven't really been watching the chat yet, so hello to all you awesome people. I'll take a quick look through that. I've been a little distracted trying to get this set up. I have to get Baldini's... Skype sharing setup so we can actually have some video this time. We're going to do things a little bit differently here. So We're we'll getting a little bit there. more advanced this time. Get a little more advanced. Hopefully this works. Uh, OBS is no usually fancy. cooperative. Uh, by the way, before we get into the big boom stuff, uh, do we want to take a moment to talk about the, the crow idea with, with the cameras and the DVs and all that good stuff? Yeah, that would be a good time to, to do that as we're getting set for that. Um, who wants to, to cover it? 
Well, I'll, I'll start with that. Uh, I am pretty good with cameras and video technology and all that sort of thing. And yep. uh, Crow recommended just take it, flipping off a bunch of snapshots. Now, I think with modern digital camera technology, uh, if you've got uh, multiple things, first of all, that would be great because you can do th- several things at once. That'd be cool if you have a DSLR, even an older one, like an old Canon T2i or something like that. And then your phone, most people have. I mean, it's just the truth. Most people have smartphones now. Uh, do both. And these phones have the capability to do bursting mode. So you could do that for a while because you don't have to leave it on doing the same thing the whole time. You could try running it in video. You could try changing the video's resolution and changing its frame rate. And some of these will, will do, man, I think some of them will even do 4K at 60 frames a second on the higher end yeah. ones. So, I mean, you're talking about a whole lot of data you could possibly pick up there that if you were just doing 1080p at, say, like 30 frames a second. So that's just my, some of my initial thoughts on that. But whoever wants to grab that and go while I try and get this Skype channel set up for Baldini. Yep. Um, Take so it away, yeah, Baldi. Oh, well, the idea would be that, um, you know, we, we were uh, we had found, uh, you know, talk, we were talking about, of course, mesmerism and some of the um, subliminal messaging uh, techniques that are being used and that they uh, introduced these in some of the frames during the refresh rates. And um, that uh, a couple of years ago, a gal had been using just a simple Cricut flip phone and took a took a photograph, a selfie and had captured a single frame of her television. Uh, in it was just a white frame uh, with black letters that just said kill. Uh, and uh, they verified that it was accurate. Um, a couple of different ways to, to verify that. They verified it. It was not a hoax. Um, and so we began uh, wondering, and uh, Crow actually, um, <clears throat> oh, the, all right. So the video's going, who are we? Uh, no, um, Zach's was. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, and so, um, yeah, the idea that, uh, you know, as we get into the fall, they love the alchemy, they love the timing, they love the numbers, uh, that around the date of the big one, that would be um, the 11th of September and probably 36 hours on either side. So what became, what was originally kind of the September 11 project would be uh, 10th, 11th, 12th, um, kind of on 36 hours by either side, try to capture uh, some images of the television, uh, especially like news or whatever you feel kind of, I don't know, led to, or uh, if you get inspiration, uh, taking some images of that. And again, as uh, Jason said, maybe some uh, video imagery as well, and go through it frame by frame, see if we can capture uh, anything and kind of catch them red-handed. So the more folks that we have uh, going, the, the more uh, the better opportunity we have with that, you know, statistical probability. And uh, I'll set up um, uh, a, a cloud file, and uh, if you find anything interesting, drop it in, and we'll take, certainly take a look at those things. So we're interested to see if we can find any skullduggery and chicanery uh, happening. So that's uh, that's kind of the idea. And we uh, again, you want to. Uh, if you're doing video, or again, even if you're just doing single frames, you want to make sure that your um, uh, that your aperture speed or your um, your uh, sp- speed is um, such that you capture the the frame, right? So if it's too slow, you'll capture uh, you won't be able to capture single frame. And so we'll put up some specs, and then we also want to capture some of the stuff about the, the refresh rates of the TV and the type of camera you're using, that sort of stuff. Uh, so we'll get all that uh, together. But just keep that in mind as we move forward. Cool. Wayne, you got anything you want to throw in on that? No, I just see in the uh, chat we've got uh, some echo problems going on with Baldini's uh, setup there for some reason oh, right now. No, you know what, maybe... I, I got rid of it. It's uh, oh, okay, There were too okay. many channels running at once with the extra Skype stuff, so I had to turn all those off. We should be good now. But if you want to do a, a quick screen share and make sure that the uh, the input is coming through properly, I think we're... Yeah, and I was I was thinking perhaps what I want to do is um, not use the sound. So share screen without Yeah, sound. we're not going to do sound because your sound 
um, it'll it'll echo. This, this yeah. thing's weird when I start running all these different sources, and Got it. I have it set to be the most efficient as possible right now. <laughs> so your audio should be good coming through your mic, as well as okay. Wayne's and Zach's. So anyway, um, right. yeah, the thing is, there, there's like a 30 second delay. So when people are screaming about something going wrong, you're not going to know if I fixed it or not for about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, it takes so a <laughs> it takes a minute. I love the whole, uh, you know, delay thing with the the YouTubes and and all of those wonderful channels and stuff that we we go doing this stuff on because <laughs> it does it creates that little bit of a problem. At least we don't seem to have as like severe of a uh, a delay or a lag when we're we're talking on the line here now. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But anyway, just to add. Uh, to what you guys were saying, I think it's very feasible that we could pick up some really heavy-duty uh, subliminal images or messages or even words or phrases on the TV screens when, when we take a look at this. Because in my estimation, I would say they've been doing this for a really long time. And even though they claim that uh, they have stepped away from that type of a thing with the subliminal messaging and stuff like that, and that it's not allowed to go on. I guarantee it's it's still going on to this day. In fact, they've gotten to the point where they just put things very subtly uh, just within the visual range of people on, on film and everything else with all these different uh, television shows, movies, et cetera, et cetera, commercials, you name it. They put these things that are just kind of subtle. Yeah, so they put this stuff there, and it's just, like, it's obvious. It's in your face. They they make it blatant anymore. They don't even care if people really notice it and if, if it's right there just in plain view, whereas they used to be a lot more subtle with things like that. But, uh, you know, I won't be surprised to see uh, if people could actually come up with uh, a lot of different captures on this. So looking forward to seeing uh, what the listeners can come up with here. Yeah, me too. Zach, I don't think you know what we're talking about. I just realized. <laughs> well, I hope we no, I'm kind of lost. With, well, yeah, I, I get the subliminals and all that stuff. The whole uh, camera stuff, though, with the speed rates and stuff like that, I kind of get it. I've seen some videos where they're watching, um, they'll be recording in super slow motion something, and the TV will be on in the background. And it'll be flashing some crazy stuff, and yep. you can pick it up and actually read it. That's exactly so, what that's exactly what we're going for. Yep, is to yeah. try to catch some 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 things that you wouldn't normally uh, be able to see uh, because of the um, you know the flicker rate basically of your eye. Right, the uh, the rate is about uh, fifteen to seventeen um, per se- images per second that the eye is uh, capable of. That's why they set it to uh, twenty four frames right per second on on film. Uh, to make it to give a, a sense of uh, illusion of smooth motion and then a little bit higher for uh, the frame rate of video usually 30 uh, and then you know of course now they've got 60 and 120 um, refresh rates on high definition uh, flat screen TVs so anyway um, yeah so we just want to make sure that uh, we'll set again set up some specs for what you're probably trying to try to capture uh, so we can find a, a variety of different ways um, to you know uh, catch their hand in the cookie jar and I've seen a lot of proof of this throughout the years. I remember watching a Cubs game where it was almost like the subliminal got pasted on it instead of put into the subliminal part. And it right. showed all these weird, crazy symbols. It wasn't numbers or letters. It was weird. It looked like... Alchemy witchcraft. symbols. Yeah. Yeah. 
and they were just in a, pa- a certain pattern and I saw right know, there on I, the I saw that the I saw it too as um um so yes yeah, sigil magic basically Yep uh what do they say signs or symbols and sounds signs and symbols rule the world yeah yep. exactly and um there's a long history of what's called sigil magic uh, that using s- just uh, straight magic symbols as warding symbols and that sort of stuff it's um Fascinating, yep. fascinating stuff. So, um, all right. So we jump into this um, with the. You want to set it up, Jason? What uh, What's been going on the last couple of days and the, the big news out in the world? Now, do you have your screen share already shared? Yeah. It should, all right. It should this be going. is not coming up here. So let me see if I got the right source set on here. I can well, stop is, and share again if necessary. Is, but you, you know what? I think that's what it is. Uh, stop okay. it, reshare it, and see if it transmits through. Stop, and then share screen, and then choose that screen, start sharing. All right, so I've got it on my Skype. It's not coming through on here. Why is it not coming through on here? Huh. Oh, technical problems, folks. Bear with us. I never tried this before, so let me try properties. Let me change. What is this? That's I it. don't know how you guys do it, how you keep up with it. It changes like every other day. <laughs> I know it does. It's All crazy. This computer man. stuff. I don't go live. Oh. Shared so, screen. Yeah. There we go. There was a setting all the way down at the bottom. So it's shared screen. Boom. There we go. All right. Let me lock that oh, in place. What do you know? What a bing. There we go. All right. So <laughs> I love it is... when a plan comes together. Perfect. All right. So it's not going to be the whole screen unless I, I blow it up, but it should be enough for you guys to work with anyway. Okay. All right, so obviously what we're talking about is the big old boom that went off yesterday in uh, Beirut, Lebanon. And as is normal, things just don't look like what they say it is. What do they say it is? They say it's a freaking fireworks factory that an accident happened at. Well, um, I didn't see much red, white, and blue. How about you guys? (laughs) In fact, we have some... We have some footage uh, to compare that to, uh, courtesy of UAP, uh, of some other uh, actual fireworks factories uh, that went boom, boom. Uh, and you can see that they look very different. But, yes, the initial uh, the initial story was that it was firecrackers, not just fireworks, but firecrackers. Oh, firecrackers. Oh. Yes. And then uh, – <laughs> Yep. And, th- and then they uh, have now backed up and said that it's a ammonium nitrate, AMFO, that was uh, confiscated a few years back and unsafely stored. And that's the cause of the explosion. <laughs> and, I, and I can demonstrate – I love this. I love can this. Can you explain let's what that is? At, yes. Let's, let's, let's take a look at this official narrative that they, they're putting forward. Sure. Okay? Go ahead. Yep. All right. Here it is. They're saying, okay, that it was a fire at the firecracker factory and that this fire spread over to the warehouse containing, get this, 2,750 metric tons of ammonium nitrate that they confiscated six years ago from some boat in the port. Um, That does happen. uh, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) so let's think about the decision-making process here. Well, we have all of this potentially explosive ammonium nitrate. Where should we put it? I know. Let's put it in the empty warehouse next to the fireworks factory. What could possibly go wrong? Brilliant! (laughs) 
Right. And so okay, if you look, let's put it there and forget about it for the next six years. <laughs> if you look uh, closely at it, here's um, here's a shot of Google Earth. And we're going to take a look first at, at where this occurred. Uh, so this, again, is in Beirut, which is the capital of Lebanon. As you come in a little bit closer here. So it's in a it's in a port. And in fact, um, this is the port uh, facility. So the building that exploded was the one that I, I don't know if you can see my um, my cursor. But uh, it's this building right here that I'm uh, zoomed in on right here. And so uh, these are the this is the the warehouse that apparently uh, the stuff was stored in. That is the building that, that really went boom. But this building right here is the port of entry. So this is where the official stuff takes place. It's the port of Beirut. Um, and this is these are silos right next to it. And so I, I was initially surprised that they didn't say it was grain, um, you know, grain in the silos that went. But it is actually this um, this building right here uh, that ultimately w went kaboomy. Uh, so that's what happened, and then of course this is the uh, central district right here. So you've got a lot of shopping. You can see it's kind of um, built up, and this is a lot of shopping and stuff. And this is where a lot of the video was taken uh, from that area. Uh, so uh, it went kablooey, and so that's the <laughs> official narrative is that is that that happened. Now, interestingly enough, and again I'll demonstrate why it cannot be ammonium nitrate. Um, I'll, I'll go through the physics of why that can't uh, be the case, and I'll give you uh, certainly my take on on what um, what we're what actually is going on here but uh, again the prime minister there is uh, he's going with that narrative uh, and saying that they're going to find the people responsible and hold them accountable for it for unsafely having stored that well, that's very although nice interesting yeah although interestingly enough just in the last several hours um, uh, U US president Trump has uh, called it a, a terrible attack uh, and uh, he has said that after meeting with some generals that uh, they seem to feel that it was not some kind of manufacturing explosion type of event, he said. But according to them, they would know better than I would, <coughs> of course. Uh, but they <laughs> seem to think it was an attack. It was a bomb of some kind. Now, um, interestingly enough, again, other mainstream media is poo-pooing that and saying um, everyone knows that <laughs> – and there's the appeal to consensus. Everyone knows everyone. Uh, that it's an – that it was an accident, and they just say Trump is an idiot for calling it an attack. Uh, but I do, I do think it's interesting that uh, again we'll we'll demonstrate how it's almost absolutely an, uh, a nation state actor uh, that caused this. Uh, but uh, again, interesting that their per prime minister is again sticking with that narrative instead of calling it an attack uh, from somebody. So whatever was in that warehouse uh, that was the target is um, well perhaps potentially embarrassing. Uh, so they're trying to keep that um, under wraps. Um, so if uh, anybody want to add anything before I start going kind of through this frame stuff and showing um, my breakdown of it, and then I'm, again, I want to hear what everybody else um, found in their uh, in their look at this. Well, let's just be honest here. The official narrative is changing so drastically mm -hmm. in a day. I mean, doesn't that automatically set off your spider sense and be like, "Hey, absolutely, <laughs> what's going on?" In fact, here? that was the that was the first thing that I thought is that it's potentially, um, you know, a disingenuous, uh, you know, uh, disingenuous <laughs> distraction, um, you know, event that it, it perhaps wasn't real. But then, as I looked at the uh, numerous video, uh, I, you know, I went with Crow's Law of HD, right? Anything that uh, can be photographed in HD, it will. Uh, and so I looked at that in the various angles, and they were all consistent. And then, yeah. um, so I kind of put it together. Uh, but then I did again. Uh, there was a couple of things that stood out to me and I went, oh, okay, that's what we're looking at. Uh, well, so you know what's funny? I'm glad you brought that up. Anything that can be filmed in HD will be filmed in HD, and guess what? It was. 
Exactly mm-hmm. what happens when something, it doesn't really matter what it is, but if an event actually happens, every dipshit in the world is going to whip out their freaking iPhones and be like, look at that. And guess yep. what? That's what we actually saw. Tons of actual footage. Uh, some well, of it's shittier it's than easy, others, but it? still, it was obvious that this stuff was taken there, or it, if it's faked, they did a damn good job of it. But at least it's it's going with what common sense would suggest, in my opinion, which is, of course, not what you see with so many other narratives. Exactly. And one of the things that, again, stood out to me from the first couple of um, shots was that they were already focused on it, right? So, And this often happens in some of these um, false events, uh, is that they're focused on something that you would never be just, you know, walking down the street looking at something and then suddenly it, ha- it just it doesn't make any sense. In this case, the building was already on fire. Uh, and so there would be reason for people to be filming it because it was a fairly large conflagration. And so uh, it would make sense that people would, would um, you know, video that. And then it goes off. Now, again, it also then makes sense that people, um, whoever did this, w- wanted that as a distraction uh, to give a cover, right? So, okay, uh, it's already on fire and then it goes explosion and there's video of it. Uh, so it gives, again, a patina of legitimacy when you have um, something going on there. Uh, so, it w- again, it seems very intentional that there was a fire going already so that there were dozens of cameras that were trained on this uh, as this event took place. And there you go. Uh, Yes, Bob, Zach is on the show. I haven't been watching the chat, but I caught that. Hi, Bob. Hi, Karen. Hi, Brian. Hello, Eric. I see lots of people. Hi, Rose, but she's sitting next to me. You can kind of see her shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Rose. I'll see you tomorrow morning for the Poppycock Report. (laughs) Poppycock! Poppycock! Uh, but all right, so then, so I started uh, noticing a few things, and uh, so I'll, I will throw this out there that I do have some background in explosives. Uh, I, I have made them, I have used them, uh, and I've been around them um, more than most, um, not as nearly as much as somebody who would do it for a living. Uh, but also, um, as a youth, when I first had moved um, to Texas from Washington State, uh, within six months of being there. There was a, a major explosion at, at a munitions factory some eight or nine miles from where I lived, uh, and it killed a bunch of people. It was actually an underground bunker where they were manufacturing this stuff. It was for the military. Uh, it killed a bunch of people, and um, I had that experience to go with as well uh, as uh, my own experience, um, again, building and detonating a variety of explosives. So I understand, um, and I uh, was very close friends with a, with a gal who had a detonator's license. She went all over uh, blowing things up for a living so um, some of that uh, knowledge as well Uh, so with that in mind um, one of the things that I first noticed when I saw this is that um, and what made me think that it might be disingenuous is the size and scope of the explosion was enormous I have never witnessed anything um, like that uh, to you know at all even on film Um, and so I guess we could start by saying it would certainly be uh, what we would call conventional uh, weaponry in that not nuclear because I don't think nuclear weapons exist as described. Uh, so what we're looking at here is, um, well, very sophisticated, um, not any sort of, um, <laughs> you know, nuclear bomb or anything like that. Uh, a couple of well, things have been made. Let, that- let, let's even address that for a second. E- even if that happens, if, if what we say is, isn't true and nuclear weapons do exist in some way, I think by now it would have come out that there's radiation everywhere. I mean, that's right. just common sense, right? If indeed nuclear bombs work in some way, shape, or form, there would be so much disgustingness all over that area that there'd, yes. there'd be no way to hide it. Somebody would be like, hey, someone nuked us. Yeah, if it, but, if, if they existed in the way that, that it has described. Exactly. Right? But that's not what we see. Now, did we see a mushroom cloud? And this is something yes. we need to talk about at some point. Uh, did we see a mushroom cloud? Yeah, we saw a really pretty mushroom yes, cloud. Yes, we did. 
But keep in mind that conventional weapons will do that. So a very large, you know, stack of dynamite will create a mushroom cloud by virtue oh, yeah. of the way the explosion happens. Uh, and again, we can describe that a little bit as well. So mushroom clouds are, are not unique to so-called nuclear weapons. Um, while that has been the um, kind of the trademark and sort of the logo of a, of a nuclear explosion, uh, that is not uh, certainly unique to uh, what is claimed there. It is um, any large explosion will do that. By the way... Um before we go further on that, I want to make this point because a lot of people don't realize this, especially if you haven't looked into it. Even during the supposed atomic weapons, hydrogen bomb tests, the later thermonuclear, all the big bad booms, they were doing supposedly simultaneous tests, and there is film of this, where they were loading massive amounts of TNT into a small area to compare it, supposedly, yeah, is, the, is, is the statement. Yes. Right, so, uh, and I'm not, again, I'm not countermanding our previous work and saying nuclear bombs exist. I'm just saying this is, this is the mainstream narrative. And it's on film in multiple places where you can watch that they were loading up massive amounts of TNT. I'm talking about, like, <laughs> freaking barns. Tons. Yeah, and they showed what that explosion looks like. And what does it look like? Like a freaking nuclear bomb going off. Identical. Yeah, like an atomic Uh, bomb. Uh, Pretty, (laughs) you know, looks like the same thing. Why? Because you have a large amount of explosives in a tightly packed space going off at the same freaking time. That is why. And I just want to make sure that people understand that. uh, Mushroom clouds are not synonymous with atomic weapons. They, right. If atomic weapons do exist, would they set off a mushroom cloud? I should think so, for the same reason. Lots of explosives going off in a very tiny place. But anyway. Yeah, and the consumption of oxygen and how um, the thermodynamics of what happens as that um, as that occurs. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've seen a couple of things in the chat. Um, Eric Julian said that the Moab, mother of all bombs, was not this big. I agree. I've seen images of that. I've seen all kinds of, uh, again, uh, military weapons, and I have not witnessed anything of this of this particular magnitude. So um, this is a pretty big one. Uh, also, Zach, by I the mean, way, you are welcome to jump in anytime because anytime. we kind of we ramble <laughs> yeah. and jump in, dude, if you got anything to contribute. Uh, Baldini's actually the one that asked you here because he said you have a good physics background, and that's what we wanted. Yeah, so anytime. Yeah, I've been looking at a lot of bomb, bombs explode. Well, not bombs, but um, actually ammonium nitrate. And yep. just 200 grams of this stuff will take out a seven-inch diameter tree. Yep. It'll just well, shred I, it like like it's nothing. Yeah, so in, in my younger foolish days, um, myself and some other people made uh, an, an ammonium nitrate diesel fertilizer, you know, bomb, um, and a two-inch piece of uh, pipe lead pipe that was about 16 inches long um, and uh, we took out we not only blew up a car uh, but it created a crater that was about 16 feet deep about 30 feet across um, and um, the, the s- largest piece of that car was about four inches square um, that was remaining that was a piece of the firewall uh, I mean it turned it into nothing basically yeah um, when the uh, semi tankers explode on the road with these there is no semi tanker left yeah Exactly. Semi gone. But one of the things, one of the things that um, I want to point out here, and this is um, uh, critical to this whole thing, is that when you um, create an explosion, right, uh, it requires some things in order to do that. So an explosion basically um, it differs. uh, You know, an explosion basically differs from a a deflagration, which is, uh, for example, if you got black powder in a gun, right? So gunpowder, when you light it off, you don't want an explosion in the chamber because, you know, it damage your gun, it blow up. Um, so it creates what's called a deflagration. 
explosion. And basically that is um, just the difference between the two is an explosion uh, moves outward at supersonic speed. So it's faster than the speed of sound. Um, and to do that, however, requires compression of some kind. In other words, you have to contain um, the accelerant um, in such a way that there's a sudden release of pressure. Uh, because if you don't have that, you basically get a deflagration, um, which is, uh, you know, foof kind of does that and it's a very different thing so even at a small scale like for a firecracker the reason uh, that there's paper surrounding it it's like a little tiny bit of, of explosive powder but it's wrapped up very tightly and that tight wrap is what allows it to be released all at once all that pressure releasing at once um, so the point being here that um, even if it were um, you know 2,700 pounds of uh, ammonium nitrate fertilizer, even stored uh, badly over a period of time uh, and allowed to leak methane and a, a number of other gases, uh, what would happen? Again, it would blow up, but not with this kind uh, of force, right? The magnitude of this would require such that would have to be very tightly contained. Um, and just a bunch of barrels of it wouldn't do that. Uh, in fact, you would have multiple explosions for, for each barrel, uh, but it would be uh, contained to whatever pressure um, the barrel or whatever container uh, could do, right? So that's just part of the physics. You could never get a singular explosion of this magnitude without it being um, intended, right? And in fact, uh, something of this size would require um, basically military hardware. It's not something that you could do in a shop, right? It, but it, but it's certain, it certainly is not an accidental uh, explosion. Uh, I'll tell you that. Let me ask a common sense question here. If you had a ton of fireworks... Would you keep them in a building, in an industrial center, on a port where, like, people are constantly around and, and things are constantly coming and going? Like, this just <laughs> seems like well, no. the dumbest thing I've heard in ages. Uh, kind of like wearing a mask everywhere you go. <laughs> you know, dumb yeah, like I, that. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's be precise about this. They're firecrackers. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what they said. That's exactly what they said it was. Firecrackers. Is, is firecrackers. Not just fireworks, but firecrackers uh, is what they were saying that it was. And again, even but in, even uh, ammonium nitrate. And then everybody, of course, went, that's poppycock. And so even ammonium <laughs> nitrate, yep. again, uh, couldn't do that by virtue uh, of um, the fact that it requires compression. So here's some before and after photos, um, supposedly again taken by satellite, but it, uh, clearly it's just a high altitude shot. Um, so here's before and there is after, right? So you're before and I mean, after. I mean, come on! You're telling me freaking fireworks did that? <laughs> yeah, no. Dude, fireworks. that looks like um, a fertilizer. shot out of a yes. Star Wars film after a ship yeah. crash into it or something. So exactly. So again, one of the things you notice is this is all reinforced concrete. Um, it's going to be reinforced with rebar, um, and for the specific, of course, for the specific purpose that you have these ships that coming in and out of there. So it has to be uh, of a certain uh, amount of uh, structural integrity in order to um, to do that work. Also, these silos are here, right, right next to it. If it hadn't been for those silos, that actually stopped a bunch of the impact wave going that direction. But you can see the devastation that occurred uh, in this area, right? You can just see that. In fact, we'll see in some of the footage what uh, that shockwave did is unbelievable i mean that was a serious serious piece of hardware uh that happened here but that is your before and after and, I, and then there are some other shots of that as well uh, but i, I did want to show that um that is a pretty um <laughs> pretty substantial yeah. shot there that is a right? pretty heavy duty uh, amount of damage that's done and Absolutely. i think we should point out the obvious here too uh just to the fact that uh this event happened almost 75 years exactly to the day of the uh, dropping of the Hiroshima bomb at the end of World War II in 1945. 
Uh, that was August 6, 1945, that that happened. So, I mean, it's almost to the day, 75 years, and they were actually referring to this as Beirut's Nagasaki event in some of the me- media out there. So yeah. they're making the comparisons, and, uh, you know, you, fertilizer and fireworks don't make a big boom like that. No, they do not. And we can, uh, again, demonstrate that uh, courtesy, again, of UAP Channel. He did uh, a breakdown on it a little bit earlier as well. Um, and he had um, got grabbed a couple other pieces of footage uh, of actual um, fireworks uh, buildings uh, that, uh, you know, that, that were in a conflagration. And you can see that it's a very uh, different uh, event. Uh, so um, here's, so I put this into an editor just to kind of run a little bit of frame by frame here. And there's a couple of things that, that caught my attention. Um, so this is um, looking at it. So one of the things, and I'll show you from different angles, but this is one of the things that I, I noted here, uh, is that, and at first, the reason I caught this was there's another angle that's shown from out in the water on a, from a fishing boat, and, and it had audio. Uh, and again, I'm very, very familiar with audio and done a lot of uh, audio forensic work uh, as well as you know production work, making records, that sort of stuff, but um, trained to understand what I hear. And I heard four distinct booms. Two of those were uh, echoes. So it, basically the sound is echoed off uh, that silo. Uh, uh, but there were two uh, separate explosion events, and they were about 18 milliseconds apart, something like that. Uh, and then we can see that uh, concurrent. You can see that that is confirmed here on this film. And so I immediately, I think, understood at that point what had happened, um, is that you've got uh, two separate but related explosions. The first explosion is actually a shaped charge, not quite an implosion, but it's shaped inward. And that is what creates the con- type of compression needed uh, to have this enormous explosion. So again, even if you have uh, a large variety of explosive material or a large amount of explosive material, it requires some kind of containment to really give it that boom explosion um, so like even uh, amounts of C4 uh, they have some cutting power and they do have some explosive power but when it comes to putting off a shockwave of this size it requires compression in order to again release all that energy in, in at one time and so what's happened here this is a very sophisticated device in that what the first charge is an inward charge to create by virtue of pressure um, that containment field and this is the first thing that we see right there that is the inward charge so you'll see right Hang on, right here. That is your inward charge, that bright light you see there, and it's focused downward and in, right? And then the next one is upward and out. So you've got a downward and in, boom. Wait, I'm kind of mistaken. It's very, very fast, right there. That's your downward and in, and that's the first explosion, and that is a shaped charge, and that creates the containment field that then allows for this explosion, and this... Um, uh, red cloud is uh, indicted, indicative of um, thermite, which is ferrous oxide, right, is what we saw all over um, the ground zero at 9-11. So that explosion is then what releases this, and that is your shock wave. That's what did the damage, um, not the explosion itself, was this shock wave. Well, the, the explosion causes the shock wave, but that uh, is um, air. Uh, compressed air basically crunches it um, it compresses it into compression and rarefaction the rarefaction is behind it uh, but that's moving at uh, hypersonic speed and when it does so so all the air that used to be inside there is now superheated but all in one place um, and leaving behind it a vacuum uh, well a relative vacuum a much lower pressure area but that comes with such immense force uh, it does uh, a huge amount of damage. Uh, but you can see very well from this first clip uh, what I'm pointing out here with that initial charge. Boom, right there. Okay, right. the initial charge. Right is there, that, yep. 
is that a different type of chemical react? Does it do something to the atmosphere? Um, well, so Zach, I'm not certain about, I mean, I'm not certain of exactly what material it is, but I would suggest that it's all part of the same device. Um, so there's an, there's a outward and inward, almost the way uh, a nuclear explosion is described. You have uh, an explosive charge that crunches the uranium inward, right, which then creates the reaction to cause it to explode outward. Um, a similar mechanism, if you will, uh, but probably not, you know, again, the same materials. But the first explosion is an inward charge, is a shape charge uh, to cause pressure inward. And then um, that creates a containment field, which is immense pressure to cause then the sudden release of the remaining materials outward. Well, yeah, one I thing could that... see a, uh, Go ahead, a Zach. large, like something that would consume oxygen mm -hmm. or nitrogen, something real big, real fast, right away, consume as much as possible, and that could create your containment field right there. Yeah, but you would have to have enough oxygen for the remaining of the uh, volatile material to explode. It has to have oxygen to burn, right? But yes, but you would create a containment field of pressure. That's what I'm trying to describe is mm -hmm. that um, that that shapes charge is outward in. And so that inward pressure, that is what creates that's the containment field. It doesn't it's not a structural material. It's actually um, explosion going inward, uh, pushing the pressure inward. And that is the containment field holding the other explosive in until it can all release at once with such immense um, force uh, that it does what we saw. And well, so what I'm saying is that's an immensely complex um, device that could only be done by a very sophisticated uh, nation state. So what I want, would like to ask here, since I am not even close to being a munitions expert, but doesn't this look like several different kinds of explosions, meaning that uh, the, the look and the, the very feel of them, the way they're going off, are quite different? Is that, would that be accurate? Yeah, different explosions do have a different um, look and feel to them, absolutely. Um, the material will also be um, a different color, right? So different colors of, um, you know, uh, of smoke. Uh, you'll see from some of these other images of uh, different things, a white smoke, right? Um, it's going to indicate uh, that you've got, um, you know, oxygen just kind of starving fire, um, you know, and then you've got the, the dark uh, smoke, right, which is then it's burning at a lower temperature. Um, so the different kinds of um, smoke is different materials materials and then as it burns and then if you have an explosion um, they will have a different look and feel depending on um, again the, na the nature of the weaponry involved right well what I'm implying is doesn't it seem like there's more than one kind of explosion not just one thing going off yeah uh, there's multiple things and possibly multiple weapons being used like I I'm conjecturing here uh, you know but the I way they look so different you know? It could be multiple weapons, but um, it, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, in my estimation, it could be a single device, but again, it's a multi-layered thing. So you've got the, the initial explosion is an inward shape charge, um, which then uh, releases the remaining material. Now, um, you know, Well, again, do you think if possible? this was a military operation that there could have been people planting something to assist in the boom? Oh, sure. I mean, again, so uh, not being on the ground, I, I keep the door open to almost any possibility, right? So it's even possible that there was ammonium nitrate on site, even firecrackers, right? But <laughs> that's not what did this. Um, so uh, is, it, is it possible that, um, you know, some of the smoke that we're seeing is, uh, um, you know, again, a conflagration of some of the ammonium uh, nitrate? Yeah, possibly. But that's not what caused the damage. That, that's not what. No, did, uh, no, 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 no. 
Right. So, so that's what. So, yeah, there could be a variety of things um, from a uh, a charge that was laid there and then set off remotely, uh, or uh, again from the footage that uh, you sh- uh, sh- sent me. Um, that's very interesting, and the timing is perfect. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know what's up with that. Someone sent that to me, and I was like, huh. I, so. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't necessarily vet it, um, and I haven't really run it through an editor to, to really look at uh, look at it frame by frame. But it's compelling um, because the timing is right. Right. Uh, would right. it indicate uh, an object that um, was launched into that site uh, that would, and the timing is is right for an immediate explosion thereafter. And so uh, have that handy as well. Um, but but yeah, that's what I see. So again, this initial explosion you see right there that very very bright um uh, and the direction note the direction again it indicates to me that it's going down and in and then what happens right next is up and out right so you have a downward and inward flash followed by upwards and outwards and um again this is uh, that bright red inside there uh that indicates again it's a high temperature um and very rapid expansion uh that's happening and also this white um, blast right here, this is the beginning, the leading edge of your shockwave, right? And so that is not just smoke. That's actually air that has been pushed into such a tight space that everything that you see in this gap right here, that is all a very low-pressure region behind it. And this is a high-pressure region right here. And that's what's coming at you. And, that, man, when that thing hits you, I mean, again, even from the smaller way, I mean, my mini orders of magnitude smaller. Uh, but, uh, again, the, the bombs that I've set off, when that thing hits you in the chest, it'll take your air away. It'll knock you right the hell down, um, just like that, um, and it takes the air right out of you. Uh, that compression it leaves you deaf, <laughs> stunned. Um, yeah. If you if you watch the beginning of um, uh, Saving Private Ryan and uh, when they get onto the beach at the Atlantic at Normandy, right. um, I found it very interesting the way that they shot that because the the sense of sort of shock and you can't hear um, and everything looks weird is it's that's very accurate uh, when you've been very near uh, a detonation of this type. It, it sucks the air right out of your lungs. It Rings your bell. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Watched a video uh, earlier with a a man sitting there with his child watching a fertilizer factory burn, and it exploded. And the little boy, you, you should. He's like, Dad, I can't hear. I can't hear. Can we leave now? Can we leave now? Please get me out of here. I, Dad, I. He just kept saying, I can't hear. I can't hear, for like thirty seconds at least. He couldn't. He just kept saying, I can't hear. It was wild, but yeah, it, those big loud booms—they mess with you. Yeah, they do, and it, uh, it'll stun you too. It's—it's it's not just the the sound; it's a stunning thing. Well, no, it's a forceful I, blow. It's—it's it's literally like being struck because you are. Yes, it is. You are. Yep, it's, you it's are. A concussive blast. And it's all. Yep, and it's also again taking the air right out of your lungs. Here's another angle, and this is one that again my wife uh, caught right away uh, too. And again, she she her tinfoil isn't as shiny as mine, so it you know, <laughs> says something that she caught this right away. Uh, initially, I noted there were uh, emergency vehicles down here uh, because of the fire, and I could see some flashing lights. But there are some some that occur in here that are very interesting and of the um, in the wrong place seemingly. So you see the fire going on there, and there's a bright light. Uh, very, it would have to be, it would be very high above the ground, or the vehicle would be very far. Uh, actually almost out into the water at that point to, for that to have been an emergency vehicle flashing light. So you got that light right there, very bright. Um, there's another one. There's another one. And there's, I think there's one more than before you see it. There you go. 
kabloom. And so here is that, again, there's that downward and in explosion I'm talking about followed immediately by upward and outward. You see that? You see how it goes down and in followed by up and out. And if it were, um, again, simply ammonium nitrate um, happening, uh, it wouldn't go in that direction. It would be simply outward in all directions. It would be in all and directions. It happens in a fraction of a second. Mm. Yep. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so this right here, yep, and that fraction of a second, that's why I'm saying it's an extremely complex device. Whatever, whatever they did here, um, that first one, right, you know, it's barely a frame. That would tell me that uh, whatever device did this, uh, it has to superheat the air at such a rapid rate uh, that what this does when it superheats the air in, in the uh, small field there, which creates that downward pressure bubble, yep. what that does with the superheating is that will actually cause uh, a sort of vacuum to form right there, and it sucks in all the, the air and stuff within the immediate area there and it creates that compression bubble and then the second burst there would cause that explosion because it, it sucks in all that extra oxygen and all that extra air all that extra material into that minute little uh vacuum area that it creates from the the superheated uh first explosion there so it sucks it in and then expels it rapidly and that's what causes the force bubble so i mean that would have to be a really high temperature uh, device going Immensely. in there, and I don't think you could. I don't think you would be able to get those kind of temperatures with something like, say, uh, firecracker or uh, you know some ammonium nitrate. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's definitely got to be some kind of a military grade weapon, just from my estimation. Not just well, military grade, but high tech. And and uh, again, UAP on his channel suggested uh, a directed energy weapon. Um, again, I leave the door open for for anything, but it, to me, this does look again like a conventional but very sophisticated um, device uh, that went off. Um, because uh, I I have seen some examples of uh, testing of different uh, directed energy weapons, and they just they have a different um, Miniature to them all Wouldn't together. Wouldn't you see uh, more of a um, like a waviness to the air because it's yes. superheating and all that? Um, by the way, if indeed this did contain some sort of fireworks, firecrackers, whatever, those little black snakes that I loved a lot when I was a little kid, um, wouldn't they be packed in like different crates, not all sitting in one great big pile to explode? Like there'd be separation. They wouldn't be compact like you were trying to set off a great big insane explosion hypothetically, sure. right? Uh, sure. And again, I'll show you, um, I'll show you the footage um, uh, of actual, um, again, fireworks factories uh, exploding. And you can see that it's a bunch of small explosions. I mean, the, the ultimate um, summation is a very large event, uh, but it's very clear that it's uh, a, a wide variety. It's a whole bunch of smaller events that are occurring. This is a one singular event, as you can see here. And again, as you advance the frame, I held it there for a minute, but watch again, it just Look how fast. Look look at the intensity at that, my friends, is some shit. So we're talking, um, that's about uh, six to eight stories right there. And so we're talking, uh, you know, 12, 15 story fireball right there. And that the intensity of that, um, of what's happening in that conflagration is mind boggling. I, I can't. And of course, right. nothing, nothing at ground zero right there. If we're going to use that term, nothing in that thing, nothing survived that. By the way, we um, should probably address because I know uh, I think Dave J is writing us off because like this is all a hoax. I, I don't. I, this seems fairly like legit that something actually happened, right? 
Yes. I mean, yes. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, at this point, again, I, I reserve the right to be wrong at, at all times. Well, of course, but from of the, course. But from the numerous angles, uh, and what I can tell, uh, it does seem like again, it was a legitimate explosion. Now, everything after that is in question, right? right. Everything that they right. tell us is nonsense. Uh, but what I see here appears to me to be a legitimate explosion, um, with uh, following exactly the laws of physics that I would expect under the circumstances that I'm describing. Not, uh, not the way they describe it, and not for the causes that they say, but. Um, as I describe what I see, uh, it's consistent with what I understand with um, explosives and with munitions, uh, and uh, it does appear to be a legitimate event. Now, that having been said, again, anything beyond that uh, is up for grabs. Absolutely. And the why and Absolutely. The why and how is up for grabs, but it does appear to be a legitimate, to me, to be a legitimate occurrence. It does just because, again, the Crow's Law of HD, it, it, multiple people with multiple cameras have captured this event. Now, the thing I want to know is what got them looking there in the first place? There's my well, question. Again, uh, well, and then I would guess correct. the fire. That's exactly what I would right. do. Right. Was, was the there fire, a fire was that was fire. enough that people started training their cameras on it and then the big boom happened? Yes, you can see that um, in multiple videos that all of them are focused on the fire. There's a, a big cloud of smoke. In fact, this uh, cloud that you see right here is is from the fire. This is not yet related to the uh, explosion because this is the explosion container. Right here. This is the first few microseconds. Um, so this is from the fire. So it was a very large fire, and many most of the people were either living in the area or traveling by, uh, and you can see that. So they are looking at the fire as an event, um, and you can hear sirens going because of uh, the, the uh, emergency vehicles. Uh, so that was my first question, too, is uh, because of the nature of the other false things that I've seen. People artificially focused on something that would, shouldn't have attracted their attention only to have this random event occur. That just that right. now that, illegitimate. That is suspicious beyond all belief, of course. Yes, that screams illegitimate to me. But this was already, again, on fire. And uh, to me, that said, again, either um, that the fire was initially used as a cover to explain this explosion or, again, that somebody intended for people to uh, capture on video um, and, and then for them to say, no, it's a, you know, it's this such and such an event, but it's a legitimate event. So, like, again, it, divining people's thoughts and, and what they intended uh, is more difficult. But I can certainly, again, from my perspective, break down the physics of what we're looking at. Uh, but to me, it is a legitimate event. That. By the I, way, I have all these people died from... of COVID uh, who, who may have passed away from this? <laughs> yeah, they all, everyone there died of COVID. That's right. Of course, of course, <laughs> naturally. Uh, I could also tell you, though, from personal experience, this does not look consistent with uh, a fire or an explosion resulting from fireworks. And I can tell you this because just a, <laughs> seriously, because just a, a few years ago, uh, down in uh, Plymouth, Jason, you'll know where I'm talking about. The mm -hmm. old video store down on Main Street in Plymouth, just down the road where we went to high school, from where we went to high school. Yeah. Uh, a couple years back, there was a big fire there, and he was illegally selling fireworks out of the back of his store. So he had quite <laughs> a bit of fireworks there, and it created this huge spectacle in Plymouth. And there was there was uh, fireworks shooting up in the air and exploding. Most exciting thing they've the seen place. in fifty years. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but I mean, so it's not really consistent with that because where where are the fireworks <laughs> shooting out of the from the building? It, like the, just the smaller explosions you would see, the multiple smaller explosions like that. So it, it just does not uh, really stand up to muster the the whole official narrative there. But uh, you know, who knows? It looks to me like something more weaponized, something more targeted, uh, rather than like just a random fire. Well, this is supposed uh, to be a giant warehouse, right? Right. 
So what, yeah, what you're looking at, what, what we're seeing now is uh, an actual uh, fireworks. Um, the fireworks are going there on. There you go. That looks yeah. more consistent with yeah, what I that's would expect. A, that's uh, from Mexico, and uh, that's a fireworks factory that um, went up in, in – see? You can see all the little things happening there. That's fireworks, friends. That's what happens when fireworks factory – uh, mistakes happen, right? So that's what you're looking at. Notice the white smoke. Um, there's plenty of oxygen happening there. Uh, it's burning at uh, temperature probably, you know, seven or 800 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and uh, so there you go. That's that's pretty, pretty straightforward. And um, most here, importantly, no mushroom cloud. Right. Here you have another one, and this one is uh, from Quebec. Uh, again, a similar thing. This is a warehouse that uh, housed um, retail fireworks. So these are fireworks for sale uh, in a warehouse. And the warehouse caught a blaze. And uh, here you'll see in a moment when it actually torches those things off, you'll see, uh, again, fireworks do their thing as fireworks do. Uh, and again, here you can see uh, a little bit uh, less uh, oxygen. Um, so the, the darker clouds. And there go the fireworks. All right. So that's that's consistent with what you'd expect. And so now the type temperature raises. We've got some fireworks that went off. And there is a big explosion, no doubt. There's a big explosion and what's going to look like a mushroom cloud exuding from it. Uh, but again, uh, it is in multiple stages. There's a whole bunch of little fireworks things going off here. Um, the color of the smoke. Uh, again, there's um, oxygen continually fueling that fire. It's high temperature in here. There's another explosion. So it's a series of explosions uh, that occur. And so here's another one in Colombia. It's amazing how many of these fireworks factories go up. Well, <laughs> I wonder what kind you know, of. I was going to say, Jason. Um, I worked at a firework factory for one summer, right after graduation. Mm -hmm. And no, they don't. They stack them like it's. We used to play a game actually, where you had to cross from one end of the factory to the other without touching the floor. They were just boxes stacked. So they don't give a shit there. is what you're saying. They just, they're careless they about it. They don't give a shit. I, I think they're actually run by uh, biker gangs. At least uh -huh. certain certain ones definitely are. And I don't think they're just running fireworks in there. Yeah. Just, probably. But yeah, probably I thought. fireworks were just everywhere. Just Wow. Okay. Well, fair enough. Every, you know, I mean, people do dumb yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, and, uh, you know, of course, you got Lefty, the one-handed guy that works there. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, so what, you're, so, so what you saw and there, uh, again, him. was consistent with what you would expect uh, from a fireworks uh, factory going off, right? And that is uh, a whole bunch of um, smaller events uh, that, again, the, the summation of which is fairly large, uh, but you can definitely see uh, that it is a, a small event. Uh, so back to here again, nothing like that, <laughs> right? Nothing like that. Now, I mean, look, look, look at that shock. Look at that. That is un. I'm starting to sound like Jay Tolan now. Unbelievable. And here it comes, and it just knocks the the snot uh, out of that guy standing there. Here's one from the water. Um, and again, I'd like to play this. I hope that, um, let's see, I know I can hear uh, the sound, but hopefully you cannot. Um, so, there's your mushroom cloud. 
and a beautiful uh, illustration of the difference between uh, the speed of light and sound, right? Is that hmm. You can see it much before that shockwave gets to you, and that shockwave is actually traveling faster than, than the speed of sound. So there's that. Boom. So that is um, pr pretty substantial. <laughs> Just saying. Um, so there is that one. There's a, a yeah, variety. It is the hoax. It's very, very well done. This is the <laughs> best hoax. Wow. Best hoax I've ever seen, right? In, ter in, terms, of, in terms of that. So um, let's see. I want to get to... Yeah, here. So again, this is this is what's going on. You can see that um, they're focused on this because there's a fire going on, and you can see already. You can see some of those lights right inside there, and so that's what initially I thought might just be the emergency services, uh, because of the way they're going off. But they're very bright. They're white, so that would have to be um, strobe type, or again electrical um, shorts. So there's that. You can see those things occur, and there's already this big fire that's going on there, and then. You know, kablooey. Uh, so it is, uh, uh, again, from, from my perspective, uh, it is a legitimate event. It actually did happen. Um, it just is not the way that, you know, they're, they're describing it. Uh, so let's see if I can get a, another look at this without their gobbledygook. There we go. Also, I did notice that some of the people that appeared to be injured, um, it did not look necessarily legitimate to me in terms of their the blood and injuries and that sort of stuff. So um, I did find that curious. Um, that's, again, initially I was kind of uh, uncertain about what I was looking at there. Uh, but thereafter, uh, it did appear to me um, that uh, what um, other than those shots of people who are supposedly um, injured, which I did find um, some issue with. Uh, but the actual event itself, uh, especially when you come to the physics of this stuff, this seemed absolutely legitimate to me uh, in every way. Back up here. There again. Uh, it's only slightly different. You can see um, there's that first inward, right there, inward explosion that immediately becomes the outward explosion. So if I can get back to that single frame, you can see it, um, that inward, you can get a sense of it too, that inward explosion followed by an outward explosion. Boom, boom. You can see it inward, outward. And then it comes out, and then here comes um, that shock wave, and that shock wave is amazing. That shot, too. This one. Unbelievable. Um, so, again, uh, to my eye, that is absolutely legitimate in terms of the event. Um, the different angles being taken, it would take a, an enormous amount uh, of, again, CGI that I haven't seen um, to, that, uh, to that degree. Because I can usually pick apart CGI pretty well. And this, again, appears in every way to me to be a legitimate um, event uh, in terms of ex at least the, the explosion. Beyond that... <laughs> You know, we can speculate about who and uh, why, uh, but in terms of how, um, I've given you my view on that. Uh, could this fit into a shipping container? Yeah, um, almost certainly. Uh, I think it's, I think that you could probably, um, given the nature of technology as I understand it, um, you could probably, the size of um, 
a large suitcase might be able to do that, but this a shipping container, absolutely, Jason. No, no problem whatsoever. Yeah, that's what no I think problem. too. By the way, why don't you pull up that other video I sent you in the uh, messenger earlier, and we can show that since you've already got your screen shared. Yeah, I'll see if I can. Let me see if I can find that. Give me just a moment. Um, I can give you the link right here, actually, because uh, I do want people to see this. And I don't know about um, some of the things people are talking about, but in this, something is obviously visible. And again, is it fake or not? I don't. I don't know. But yeah, it's hard to. Hard I mean, to this say. just happened, so we're still looking into it. And yeah, I couldn't, are, are we barking up the wrong tree here? And this is just poppycock. I don't know. I can't. I can't vet hard it. To right. Tell, That's you know? the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I can't vet it necessarily. Let's see. Okay, there's that. Let's grab this. Okay, pause that. Let me bring it um, here. Oh, I don't want to do that. You have to log in. I have to say, as somebody who hasn't looked at a lot of explosions, I mean, I've watched the nuclear hoax videos and stuff like that, but I haven't really watched different types of explosions. I didn't think it was real at first. I thought for sure this was a hoax. This is nonsense. But then I to, today I started looking more into it at just different explosions and how they can and yeah, it it really looks real. It looks for as real as I could possibly seen. consider for for I mean what what do we got to work with? We got cell phone video. You mean th- all right, you mean this video that we're looking at right now or yeah, that's it. The one with with the circle on it where they're showing yeah. whatever craft that is hypothetically supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so yeah, bring that up for everybody. Okay. So here's what we're looking at here. Um, and this circle is don't, – don't worry about that. It will show up in a moment. Um, you'll see it. So um, – Quality of video is not great, but here you can see this dark object, and it's moving, it's moving, and it's moving, so frame by frame. So it's got a speed of, um, you know, 400-plus miles an hour. And again, let's let's clarify that most cell phone video is shot at 30 frames per second. Not saying that somebody wouldn't do 60 frames per second, but it's not the default. It's generally not what you would do. Yep, exactly. So how do I get rid of that? I don't want... I don't want... <laughs> that dumb thing on there but uh let's back up again so uh so again what you're looking at here um and and they zoomed in here artificially um so this is after the fact but there it is and given the how far it travels between frames it's traveling at uh, an obtuse angle coming in from your upper left if downward uh and then uh the timing is just right where it goes in and then there's your explosion. So could that potentially be a missile uh, projectile of some kind? Yeah, sure. Uh, again, can I vet that that is absolutely the case? No idea. Um, it, you know, I would think if that, if that were um, legitimate, then um, they would be all over it. The intelligence agencies, again, if they were uh, telling the truth. Now, again, is it possible that uh, Trump leaked out um, the fact that it was an attack uh, based on that? He, after having said that he talked to some generals and they convinced him that it was uh, an attack? Yeah, it's, again, it's very possible. Um, and everybody else is trying to play it close to the vest uh, in terms of... Uh, you know of what's going on and who to finger point or that we're protecting someone could it could it be the united states could it be um another middle eastern actor that is often known <clears throat> Mossad, um for for this kind of stuff well they they seem a likely candidate but again i'm not going to make unsupported claims all i'm saying is um that this is a very high tech weapon um it is not what they're describing it as this was an, an intentional um very very sophisticated um 
weapon, that uh, munitions that caused that um, explosion. That, that's that's my take. Yeah, I will. I will say that um, again. If the if the prime minister is continuing with the narrative uh, that it is um, you know an accident, and he said he's going to get um, to the bottom of who's responsible and hold them accountable, um, you know he may mean that two ways. Uh, that may be you know a veiled language for um, we're going to go after you know any outside actor that did that, but. Um, yeah. You know, but but it could also mean that they're um, uh, whatever was in that um, warehouse, uh, you know, is gone now. <laughs> right. And uh, it's potentially <laughs> embarrassing. Right. So um, so whatever was there previously is potentially an embarrassment, uh, which is why um, they're not, you know, acknowledging it as an attack. Right. So that that's possible as well, that um, somebody took out something or someone uh, that was in that area and um, decided, you know, that they wanted that to go away. Uh, and uh, the, the acknowledgement that it was there would be an embarrassment to the government uh, of Lebanon. So, you know, uh, they're not acknowledging. So, again, all that is within the realm of possibility. Uh, if you look at um, brinksmanship and what goes on in that regard, um, I, I can look at the possibilities. I can't make any claims. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, we could, you know, look at the evidence that we have here and to our eyes it looks like it was an actual event this explosion now all the ancillary things that go along with it you know that's all arbitrary we may never know for sure uh you know just exactly if this was uh, a real event or a staged event or or what kind of an event this was but you know i think we could all agree it looks like a, a real uh, military grade weapon kind of explosion uh when it comes down to it so that just leaves a lot of questions. Who's involved? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, like what possible reasoning would they have for doing this? Now, I do remember seeing late last night, uh, one news outlet was actually reporting that Netanyahu took credit for this as a strike against Hezbollah. So Interesting. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, Eric, so, Eric DeLion in that, chat. It was said, only said, that one. It was only that one source, though, and I don't even remember which one it was. I was just scrolling through Facebook, and it might have been CNN or CNBC or one of those type uh, ones. So it's hard to really trust anything that comes out of their mouth. Anyway. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, again, uh, Eric DeLion in chat said that um, he was saying that it was the prime minister said it was set off. Uh, but again, according to at least um, the New York Times description and, and major news outlets uh, and the interview that I saw, um, I, I watched the video of him saying uh, that, that it was the result of um, the ammonium nitrate that had been confiscated and was unsafely stored. And uh, he was going to hold the people responsible for that um, accountable. That's that's what I, I mean. I saw that video where he said that. Now, if the narrative has changed, um, you know, that's possible as well. But the latest update from New York Times as of three minutes ago um, indicates uh, still that they're holding to that same narrative uh, that the prime minister is um, is saying that uh, he will hold uh, he will find out who's responsible uh, for the, the basically the an industrial accident is the way that they're framing it at this time. Um, other than Trump, who has said it's an attack and um, he very clearly said that he's talk, talking to the generals, they they don't consider it uh, an industrial accident that it is an attack of some kind um and, and again so it's going to be conflicting narratives absolutely uh no question about it but um i'm just going with uh, the information as it comes in and uh, the interview that i saw with the pm was saying that uh, they, he was considering it an industrial accident and that was as of two hours ago um and that's what still new york times is reporting as of three minutes ago so that's i mean yeah but 
the things that go on in the intelligence community behind the scenes that that's all stuff we don't see so of course they're gonna paint you know paint this as being oh it's an industrial accident it was you know a terrible tragedy blah 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 but you know behind the scenes that they're they're really going to do something about that and you could also be assured that they the only reason that Trump said anything is because they told him to say something so that it kind of discredits the possibility right. of it being like a state terror actor. Exactly. Like that. So, I agree with that. Know. Exactly, Wayne. Yep, exactly. And according to the general manager of the Beirut port, which is uh, Hassan Koratem, uh, he confirmed in an interview, uh, and this is about six hours ago, saying that despite repeated requests from customs and security officials, um, that after um, confiscating that material, nothing happened. We were told that the cargo would be sold at an auction, he added, but the auction never happened. And the judiciary never acted. He said he had, quote, no idea what caused the initial fire at the storage facility. Uh, four of his employees died in the blast. This is not the time to blame, he said. We are living in a national catastrophe. Uh, but for many Lebanese, the saga is another sign of the chronic mismanagement of a ruling class that has steered the country into punishing economic crisis. And that's the um, sideline stuff that's going on, of course, is that um, there is, um, you know, um, <laughs> there is uh, all kinds of uh, economic crisis going on right there. And again, the Prime Minister Hassan Diab said as the head of government, I will not relax until we find the responsible party for what happened, hold it accountable, and apply the most serious punishments against it. Now, that's what I thought interesting is that it did seem like a little bit of veiled language um, that he didn't, uh, even though he was acknowledging uh, an industrial accident in that interview, um, he did couch that in a way of saying as the head of government, we'll find the responsible party and hold them um, accountable and apply the most serious punishments. So, uh, again, he could be, um, you know, again, veiling the idea uh, that they suspect it's an attack, but he doesn't want to go on record at that um, right now. Again, we, there's a lot of speculation that we could have, but this is um, this is what's being reported, which, again, I don't trust anything that they report. I'm just saying this is the information that's available. Yeah, bottom line, we might not know exactly what's going down there right now, but let's give it a week or two and see what kind of shakes out from it all. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's some kind of a, uh, militarized conflict that results out of this whole thing. Let's just put it that way. Sure. Now, do we want to read this article, this explosion in Beirut from the Jewish, um, what is this, breaking Israel news? Did you guys take a look at this yet? I I haven't. Well, I put it in the Skype chat there. And take, take a quick look. I, I don't know if I want to say this on the air. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll look at it then. Um, so, uh, Zach, what, what do you got, man? Uh, I, I know that you're, uh, you can be quiet, but I know you're thinking about this. I can hear your wheels turning. The churning, the churning. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really up on the whole Lebanon and what goes on. It's definitely somebody. Um, mm. And you know, there's certain people in that area that we are really good friends with. That, um, yeah, if you need super high tech military equipment, that's one of the people you go to is, you know, the United States. So I don't know. This is maybe the start of something real big. Oh, dear. I can see why you didn't want to read that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right? My <laughs> oh my goodness! Really? Uh, oh, whoa! Not that I'm afraid to. It's kind of offensive. No, that's <laughs> like in a legitimate way, not right. in a twinkle toes snowflake kind of. I'm offended. Like that's kind of sick. Oh god! And it and it it's saying who is this breaking breaking Israel news? And Maybe it'd be funny if source. I read it in an old Jewish man's voice. 
the source says. Well, the source says latest news from a biblical perspective, and that's what it's just. I mean, there are there are people who call themselves Christians who are diehard Zionists um, because of the way they read scripture, and I and I, I don't know. Um, but I'll I'll give you guys so without um, belaboring the point. Basically, they're they're saying um, it's a, a beautiful show for the holiday of love, the the fifteenth of Av, uh, according to the Jewish yeah. calendar. And they're um, oh man. And, and even they include this. They include this text. Um, you guys can read it yourselves. 19, I'll, I'll put it again in the thing. I just sent it to Rose on her uh, private yeah. message. But here, it's in, so, it's but in they the include thing. the text. They include the text uh, from Leviticus nineteen eighteen, um, it, which would be also the words of Jesus uh, later, who quoted it: uh, "Love your fellow as yourself." And so, how could you love your fellow as yourself by seeing this as a beautiful event? I I can't understand. There's a lot of people from from my perspective. Um, this actually did kill people. So again, I know that uh, we often say nobody died, nobody got hurt. In this case, it does look like. Um, I mean, no one could have survived being anywhere near that um, from the explosion, and certainly the um, uh, the shockwave would have injured uh, I mean from again from the aftermath images it does look like people would have been seriously harmed by that so um, yeah I'm not sure I would be that excited about um, saying it was a beautiful show that seems very offensive to me now, now what, um, the, what they're implying is that there were weapons there that were going to be dropped on Israel and if that's true well obviously it's good that that didn't happen because I don't support death and destruction of course but the way this is worded, it's almost like, I don't know, it yeah. just gave me a sickening feeling inside, you know? Yeah. Not much does uh, that no. to me. Well, I usually avoid things like this because I just don't need to, I don't, my soul doesn't need that stuff. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, it, it, uh, it, it hurts my spirit exactly. uh, to see people, to pe- see people, um, celebrate uh, the death of somebody yeah, else, yeah. even, even people that are bad. Right. It's like, um, I just don't, I just don't have that kind of Freud and shot. I just, you know, from my, from my perspective, even those um, creepy creatures who run this place, I mostly feel sorry for them. I feel like they are themselves deceived, and they're going to get the short end of the stick. Um, do I hate what they do? Absolutely. Would I try to stop them if I had the opportunity? Absolutely. Um, but I, I don't have hatred in my heart. I just don't. It just I don't roll that way. Um, you know, my, I come from a place of trying to spread love uh, and compassion. Uh, and I can even have compassion for those who are very misled and even those who do, you know, bad things. Uh, but I, I just can't jump up and down and dance even on the grave uh, of my enemies. I just can't do it. And this kind of perspective is uh, so you know, offensive is kind of the wrong word because it's like, oh, I'm offended. It's not like that. It's just That's because the, the SJW nitwits have twisted every – like you can be offended about things for real like, hey, that seems really wrong to me. Like legitimately yeah. goes against things that should be common sense right and wrong. That's truly offended. Not somebody said a word or used a pronoun in a, in a way you didn't like because who gives a shit about things like that? Yeah. Th- that just, there, there's be, things like this where the- I read it and I was just like, ugh. Yeah, being offended in, in that way is just like it means I can't control my emotions and you have to do it for me. You have to change yourself because I can't. Um, that's what that's about. But th- this is just it, it just sickens me. It's just um, it's yeah, the it's wrong disgust. vibe. Yeah, it's the wrong vibe for me. Right. It's just it's so it's the same kind of feeling I get when I see, you know, the stuff that happens to kids. Right. Um, and that people tend to turn a blind eye to. It just makes me sick from the inside. It's like, oh, God, how can people, you know, do that? But um, but here again, um, this every time I look at this in slow motion, I can see exactly what first caught. I first caught it real time. It's an in, it's an outside in and then inside out uh, explosion. It's a dual event and it's part of one thing. 
but it makes that explosion, that secondary explosion, enormous. That is the biggest thing I have ever seen. Uh, it's unbelievable. It would be it'd be kind of fun to watch if it didn't have such a terrific um, outcome. I mean, I like to blow things up. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> I used to get a, a big kick out of it, but. Um, I was telling Cammy we need to go get some fertilizer and get a big plot of land out in the desert and just start blowing shit up. I want right. to see. It. I want to blow something up like that. Yeah, I mean, because you know, tannerite's fun, and I, I've set off some, um, you know, some again different explosives, and it was mostly when I was young. I'm still, you know, lucky to have all my digits uh, remaining. And um, <laughs> oh yeah, I got almost all that in, nitroglycerin in, used to do shots of. <laughs> you know, but I uh, I did actually make some something similar, a cousin to it, um, and it was so uh, volatile that um, like literally you couldn't shake it up. I mean, you, if you dropped it on the ground, uh, it would it would go off. And so um, my chemistry teacher um, helped me make it. And when you put it into a little bit of cotton, just a tiny little drop in some cotton, and it would make you know how you um, have those snap pops, right? Those little paper things you throw on the ground. Um, so when you threw one of these on the ground, it would actually take chips out of concrete. <laughs> It was it was that intense. Like you throw a little bit of this on the ground, yeah, and it would take it would literally knock about um, about an inch wide and about maybe an eighth of an inch deep a hole in the concrete uh, just from a, a cotton ball that was um, put in the stuff and you dry it out and uh, hit, hit when you toss it on the ground. It, I mean that was some serious poo poo, uh, but again, um, you know that's um, that's just volatile. This is something else. And my this, chemistry teacher was a nerd. He wouldn't teach us anything like never. that. Yeah. Well, it was funny because I um, I had come up with, and this is um, uh, middle school basically, uh, and he was a, uh, one of my favorite uh, teachers of all time. He's from South Africa, and um, I I had discovered uh, the chemical compound, the chemical formula for um, nitroglycerin, and he looked at it and his eyes bugged out. And he was like, "Where do you find this, man?" And you know, I told him where I found it, and he's like, "Unbelievable!" He goes, "You know, my uh, my chemist, <laughs> my college chemistry teacher would have never let us see that because we can draw it out right now." And so he did. We, we just sat down and drew out the um, the covalent bonds. And once you know the way the covalent bonds come in, you can figure out how to put it together uh, and what you need to do that. And so we did, right? And then uh, rather than actually make nitroglycerin, then he um, sat down with me and we worked out, uh, I can't remember the exact compound of it, but it's a cousin uh, of nitroglycerin. And um, yeah, then we had fun with it. He was a very, very cool teacher. And uh, so I started getting into model rocketry with him and I was big into chemistry, loved chemistry and magnetism. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a nerd. <laughs> I admit it. I am just a complete nerd. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, speaking of that, uh, maybe we can switch to another more fun topic, which is uh, space fraud. Cause I, cause I do, oh, love, yeah. I do love that. And we just had uh, lots of fun stuff going on this past week. Cause I don't, I don't actually know what, what, what else to do with this at this point. And uh, I mean, if we want to call it an early night, I'm cool with it. We tore into this as much as I think any of our, our, uh, we can, our I mean, it could, could be, yeah, there could be any speculation about, um, why or anything like that, but, Ultimately, I, I mean, to me, that's kind of um, less important than the fact that, um, you know, what it is and uh, that the uh, the mainstream narrative is uh, poppycock, right? It's just it's not um, it's it's not legitimate in terms of what the what the mainstream narrative is. Right. So the bottom line on this is, of course, that it's not what they're saying it is. I mean, is that a big surprise? No, nothing's ever as they say it is. Uh did people die and or get hurt? Uh, I think that maybe they might have in this case, but I mean, people do get hurt in wars and things. I don't see how things. it would be possible. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, Somebody, unless they've done yeah, a damn good job of faking this, which 
I mean, I don't put anything past anyone at this point, to be honest with you. I mean, the, the technology exists today that you could fake anything on camera, on camera. But it, it seems like there's enough sources here. And this is how I do it even when I write Crow 777 radio shows. I try and cross-reference as much as possible. How much can I legitimize things? That's what I try and do. You know, it's like I've done the best I can from multiple sources to say that, okay, this this appears to be the way it is. Take everything everybody says with a grain of salt, and I'll always say that. Don't listen to any of us completely and just accept our word because we are human and we can make mistakes. Oh, yeah. But I also I listen to everybody just because I know somebody is a liar doesn't mean I'm not going to listen to what they're saying because a lot of times things are glaringly apparent either by their absence or by the way that they frame information, right? So even people I know to be controlled opposition, um, you know, traps don't work if there's no bait in it. So I want right. to um, – go through that but yeah i try to approach everything as, as tabula rasa right so i'm not trying to prove or disprove um either i'm just trying to gather all the information and do the best that i can to put together what is the most likely uh probability of, of what's actually going on uh and that um you know has been very helpful for me to approach things in that way you know something I, i've been kicking around that I, i've brought up a couple times when i've been on with jaron and david uh I would love to see what the feasible possibility of doing an amateur rocket launch is, the, the one that could have some small cameras aboard, because there's just so many things I want questions uh, that I want answers to. And do you think that that's even remotely feasible, or do you think that the, the cost factor would be outrageous? Hmm. Um, well, I'm talking about a rocket that can get up to the Kármán line or above. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, well, there were some guys that um, were putting a rocket together in a garage in a house that I rented many years ago, uh, and they were um, employees of um, of um, <clears throat> Boeing, uh, and so they were aerospace engineers, and they were making their own uh, private rocket, and it um, they were trying to get to the Carmen line with it, and uh, it they, they were you know engineers, and it blew up on them, <laughs> um, so. Um, well, yeah, I didn't say it'd be easy. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so, I mean, I've done, again, model rocketry at a smaller scale and probably not going past two miles high. Uh, it's still a pretty substantial, um, you know, rocket. as a four-stage uh, rocket, but although it's solid, not liquid. Um, so, you know, I, I, um, I would say, I mean, we, that go-fast rocket footage seemed like, um, you know, legit to a point, and then it got weird. Um it's just so is it possible? I think high altitude balloon is probably the easier way to go. I know that uh, Bob. It doesn't Nadell, prove anything though. It proves nothing. It only goes know. up to one hundred twenty-one thousand feet. You, yeah. unless things are very different, uh, like really different, that's not high enough to see anything, curved or curvature or flat. It'll you'll still see the horizon really. I suspect that to my, I mean my suspicion is the Carmen line is the hard fast barrier that that, that is um well, the that's, or whatever that's that what is. I that's the bear I want to poke. Yeah. No, I I would love to um oh, Jason look into the ionosphere. Cuz the ionosphere is impossible. Maxwell changed Ampere's equation and made the ionosphere suddenly be possible to where you're getting electrons from something in a vacuum. So there is no electric field in a vacuum. It's impossible. But somehow we're getting all this energy from the sun, even though we're not in an electric field. It's Yeah, he just, with no experimental backing, he took Ampere's law, which you know has Faraday's law in it. Mm-hmm. Or not Faraday, excuse me, Gauss's law. Gauss, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's, he just said all of a sudden, okay, now you can have this happen in a vacuum. 
and yeah, there there has to be something up there solid. Well, th- that's what I want to know. I just that's why I, I want multiple cameras. You know, my my idea is one up, one out, and one to the side, and to keep weight down. So that's the minimum where you can get a good look. You know, whatever you want to say. And obviously, you have to use not shitty fisheye lenses. But that's that's what I want to do. I, that, that's what I want to see. But I, I honestly think it, that 60 to 70 miles up, it might just be inconceivable to to people without substantial amounts of money. Yeah. Unfortunately. But the thing is, we can argue about these things all day and, like, debate them and things like that. I want more data. You know, it's just – this is what bugs me. Like, I see inconsistencies, as I always say, all over. I don't sleep in any exact bed with any of this stuff because – I can poke holes in a lot of it in my own in my own mind. I can say, well, I can see this, but I can see this, but I can see this, but I can see this. And I want data. I just I want more so I can make a, a real conclusion. Again, this is how I do things when I write shows with Crow. I try my damnedest to prove the conclusion that we seem to be seeing. It's like, okay, this seems to be it. We Now we need to back that up. And that's what I want here. But this is a much more serious physical topic. Like this is something that we have to go after because – the only people we're getting data from are known liars, and I'm not cool with that. Yeah. yeah. This is an endeavor. This really is right here, trying to find out what's above our heads. Um, exactly. Yeah. Now, for it's all we know, you can get to low Earth orbit, and that's where they fake it. We don't know. That's the truth. We really just don't know. There could be – you know, this could be a, a plane with a dome and all that shit, but we don't know literally how high it could be. So maybe they faked Apollo by going to low Earth orbit. Maybe you can't go that far. I don't. I just don't know. But I want to know. Yeah, I mean, I certainly. I'm. <laughs> I'm curious beyond beyond belief. You know, my my work um, deals more because I don't think I can. You know, get um, to. You know, we can't get below sixty degrees south latitude, which is silly, and that's very telling. Uh, you know, at one point I I was trying to get a job in Antarctica to see what I could see, uh, <laughs> but now I'm too old for that. Um, so, uh, and I certainly think it would be interesting to try to explore at the North Pole as well. I think that um, that probably is just as fascinating as as the South, uh, and in fact. The what uh, the weirdness at the South Pole is probably to some degree uh, a distraction from uh, the more easily accessible and yet probably just as or more interesting North Pole um, and what's going on there. Uh, but um, you know, given that, I'm trying to sort of more um, you know, I guess theoretically uh, address it and and looking at uh, as Cammy's doing um, kind of the magnetic possibilities and what's going on um, again a quadrupolar toroidal field uh, model and try to better understand. Um, why we see the things we see and then um you know that that may help to a degree answer some of these questions at least to my own satisfaction i don't think uh, proving it is going to be uh, an easy task but certainly if i can answer some of the questions to my own satisfaction i'll be more comfortable <laughs> you know with what's going on but i have a i, I think i have a fair idea uh, of, of how um things go. i'm fascinated by the sun uh almost more so than the moon it's um uh it is a remarkable um you know, I mean, here's the so I've been doing, you know, two years plus research on water, and that's a unbelievably well deep, if you'll forgive the <laughs> deep expression water. there. It's deep. Next, you'll be telling uh, me it's heavy water. Yes, it is. It, it just flows, you know, right out of you. So any, anyway, um, but it, water is a fascinating uh, thing, and, you know, ultimately, and not to give too much away, 
But um, it, it does seem to not only um, have memory, uh, as been shown, lots of people looked into the work of uh, Dr. Emomoto and, um, of course, cymatics, that sort of stuff. But it does uh, seem to show a kind of intelligence, a sentience, if you will, which is crazy. Uh, and, uh, again, the, the two things that are required for life as we know it are water and sunlight. Uh, and so those two things are uh, – those are two of the um, four elements, right? So uh, all fascinating, fascinating stuff to me. Uh, all of it, right? So the the nature of the world in which we live, and again, I think uh, proving it, it's going to be um, a very different thing. But I'm with you, Jason. I would love to know what's up there. I'd love to see uh, again uh, how far we can get, um, and you know what we see as we go up. I would love that uh, if we could if we could accomplish that. So if anybody if anybody's really good at rocketry, let me know. Uh, I, I know well, it's a yeah. difficult proposition. Yeah, we need engineers I mean, if it was easy, who want to challenge it, right? things. That's the that's the big problem right there, man. We need engineers who are like, sure, I'll 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 apply my knowledge to this because, like you were saying before, we we don't need to be two two guys in a garage blowing ourselves up because we want to send a rocket up. I mean, because yeah, let's, exactly. let's be honest here, rockets are nothing but controlled explosive devices. I mean, there's there's no anti gravity fun stuff going on here. I mean, this is a controlled explosion, uh, multi stage to get that high, and you have to do it right, or else, boom. Yeah. And I mean, the, and these guys were no slouches. I mean, they were, um, you know, again, aerospace engineers and uh, both of them uh, were uh, familiar with, you know, jet engine um, functionality. But they were doing, you know, r- r- again, rocketry, which is a, <laughs> a different thing. And they just had their fuel mixture off and their um, the, the way that they were putting it together. And um, <laughs> just a little bit of mistake and uh, it go boom. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, again, again I, I say if it was easy, everybody would do it right. I'll <sighs> give it a go. I'm sorry? You give it a go? I'll give it a go. I like Perfect. playing with stuff like that. Well, you know, here's my here's my thought. What about this, um, Zach? What if we were to able to come up with um, uh, electromagnetic, uh, I, I don't, you know, again, I don't go with gravity, but um, anti-gravitic in the sense that uh, defying the electromagnetic um, downward uh, vector. Uh, what what if we gave it that? Um, what if we used that? The sterile? Yeah, yes. thorough yeah. generator. Yep. I think, uh, yeah, I don't think physically with gas and balloon and or I don't even know about fuel in a rocket, but with electricity and the stuff that I know is already out there and established, you know, they they have it down to a science now. Elect yep. with electricity, you can you can go anywhere and do it. That's what you that's know. what I think is if we could get um, if we could uh, get that kind of technology going, and I, I think it's possible. I think the reason that they you know they occlude it and um, misdescribe all this stuff uh, is that it would be too easy in some respects. And I think um, you know if I were to partner with anybody, you and maybe Elsie King, right, <laughs> I get together with yeah. you guys uh, and uh, try to figure out how do we how we do this because I think it's very very possible uh, and even um, you know imminently doable. Uh, to get together and try to uh, better understand uh, the, you know, either that or uh, a combination of that and sort of again the cymatics, but um, using the um, acoustic levitation uh, that bumblebees do. If we could get uh, some combination uh, of those things together, and again using the natural, um, you know, electric electricity that we see in the luminiferous ether that surrounds us uh, as the power source, I think that you could do anything that you wanted with that. Yeah, they say Tesla, I was reading a book on Tesla, and every invention he ever invented was to create exactly that, 
a vehicle you could get into that ran off the ether, used very little fuel at all, if any, and you could go. It created like a, it distorted the ether right around you, so you didn't feel inertia. Yeah, you could go and stop on a dime. Well, that makes a hell of a lot more sense. Miles an hour. Yep. So much more sense than blowing things up behind you and hoping to push yourself (laughs) in the right direction. You know, I mean, literally think about it. Everything we do goes boom. A car is something going boom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Wiley Coyote. Everything that we do with modern technology, and that's not to say that there aren't other technologies available to people with lots more money than we've got. But let's just let's just be serious. Like everything is is about controlled explosions, and that's why they don't always go right because it's controlled explosions. Right, and that's the key right there, um, Jason, is that, uh, in fact, a lot of people, including um, Victor Schauberger, right, uh, one of his things was, again, explosion versus implosion. Uh, and it was Schauberger's uh, concept that everything that, you know, we use for modern um, electricity or modern propulsion is an explosive, right? So you have the internal combustion engine and all those things. Everything that we do is pretty much explosive, but nature typically follows implosion. Yeah, well, Eric Dollard as well, but um, it was uh, really mostly what I read uh, came from Schauberger, uh, specifically having to do with implosion versus explosion. This is where he came up with a lot of his vortex technology. And so I think there's definitely something to that and using the idea of, again, what he said was um, study nature and, uh, you know, copy it. And I think that that's absolutely the key if you really want to do something like that is to look at implosion versus explosion and look at uh, vortex technology uh, using electromagnetism. I think that is probably the way to go. And I think we could have um, perhaps a much uh, more successful um, understanding of, of what's going on. And again, if we want to get high, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, high up, um, <laughs> that that would probably be the way to do it. And does everybody understand why you can't use a balloon? Like, is that something we should uh, even even should we even bring it up? I mean, it's it's because it's actually quite simple. You can only get up to about 120. Well, NASA went a thousand miles, right? So they say. Yeah. With a balloon? Yeah, so they say with, yeah, they, yeah, they had they that. Claim it. Where the hell did they say they did that? You can't get farther than 120,000, feet. Yeah, in the 1950s, they claimed yeah. to go 1,000 miles. In the yeah. 1950s, did you ever see the yeah. documents from the CIA where they were talking about all the crap they were going to build on the moon? Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. God! These, if you haven't seen these, I, I found these like maybe only a year or two ago. I didn't even realize they were out there. They're hysterical. They were saying about having like complete space bases on the moon by like the 1960s. By the 1970s, everybody like it was literally like fucking Star Trek that they thought they were gonna have going on. Yep. Yep. No, they did. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no. Horizon. <laughs> yeah. What was that, Wayne? That was called Project Horizon. That was actually from uh, the the Army. And that was a 1959 document. Was that, it the Army Corps of Engineers or something like that? Ideas. They were saying, we can yeah, do it. it the Army Corps of Engineers. <laughs> we can do it and for $10 million or something. Some outrageous. I was like, "Are you? did they really they, delude yeah. themselves? They had all these big plans. They man. did. Even down to the spacesuits, the design of the spacesuits, everything. It was really detailed plans. But, uh, you know, lo and behold, here we are, 2020, and we still don't have a presence on the moon. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. We don't even so, have flying cars. I yeah, wanted, I know. I All those cartoons cars. we watched as children lied to us. I, I should have been in, in my flying car by now. And, you know, that Mr. Spacely's a slave driver. He made me push the button four times today. That kind of thing. But, you know, 
it's it's not the way that it is. Where's my robot made? The best thing I got is the closest thing I got to Roomba, and that that's nowhere. <laughs> so and that likes to bang its head off know. the wall. Well, you know, some of the technology they they did come up with, right? So you've watched uh, the old the original Star Trek episodes, and they've got the basically an iPad, right? Um, that sort of thing. They called them that uh, too, got, by the way, in the Next Generation. Yeah, they, I always thought that one was great. And, they called the things they were passing around and and had like touch screens on them. They called them pads. If, mm-hmm. if anybody doesn't know that, so that's that. There's some serious pre-programming right there. Big time, yeah. So um, no most doubt. of that. Most of that stuff um, has come to fruition, but but uh, space travel, not so much. By the way, well, if because... you look at Star Trek in the Next Generation, which started in '87, I think they were the only ones that I can think of off the top of my head that had things that looks like this touchscreen. Everything else was buttons. Everything in the '80s and the '90s even right. was buttons. Switches Everything was buttons, physical yeah. things. How did Star Trek The Next Generation have the Enterprise D with these beautiful uh, black illuminated screens that look just like a fucking iPad or iPhone? Like nothing else even conceived of, even other Star Trek, it was always buttons. And then from that point on, everything became touchscreens. But we didn't actually get touchscreens until what, 2007? Yeah. Well, oh, the Raz says, what about seducing green women like Kirk? Yeah, he did actually, he did speed, right? I was just talking to my <laughs> wife about that the other day, uh, that he took the he took the speed juice and um, uh, then he could see her. And it was so funny because uh, they did, without even going to commercial break, uh, they, they Im- insinuated and implied what happened. They started making out, did Kirk and the, and the green lady. And then uh, they just kind of cut to black, fade to black, and they come right back up. And uh, she's combing her, she's brushing her hair in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's sitting on the edge of the bed uh, putting his boots on and looking Im- very, very satisfied. Implication. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious um, how they uh, how they did that. They, they very um, ham-handedly implied um, what, what it had happened there. It was, it was very funny. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, anyway, and not to get too, too sidetracked, but yes, he, he did speed uh, to go fast so he could see her because they moved too fast. But yes, the... Um. <laughs> Are you thinking of the wrong episode? Because I remember that one. That was Wink of an Eye, I think it was called. But the green yeah. lady, there was a there was a couple people that had some green, and not just the Orion women either. But yeah, it was specifically uh, her. She she dosed him uh, so that he could go fast and see her. Because yeah, she was a blonde, been, uh, wasn't she? Uh, I can't remember, but but I know she was green skinned, and uh, but she dosed him uh, because things had been happening, like you know, you would think, like poltergeist stuff. There was things happening. They couldn't yeah, understand. no, I remember that. And then she, yeah, I don't remember being green drink. though. Yeah, she was she was green, and uh, she put something in his drink, and uh, yeah, he he was now on speed, and the first thing they did was do the deed. <laughs> <laughs> That's Captain Kirk. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, and very true to you know, I guess uh, speed freaks. Uh, they, they, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how we got on this topic. Rose would slap me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> she's smirking anyway. at you. Uh, yeah, I, I bet. I bet. I promise I'll be good for the poppycock report. I promise. Uh, but yeah, anyway. anyway. Sure you will. Yeah, right? Um, no, I try to be good. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, how much um, the programming. Uh, and again, many of those um, things that they indicated uh, in terms of technology that has actually come to fruition, except, uh, you know, the, the, uh, of course, the the, um, uh, the idea of, you know, beam me up, Scotty. Uh <laughs> And of course, I know Brian Stapley's all over it. He's like, they never said that. I know, <laughs> uh, never happened. But anyway, uh, but the idea of uh, it's an energized most of the time. 
yeah, energized. But uh, teleportation and that sort of a thing, uh, they keep you know saying that it happens. Uh, molecules in labs, I don't buy a bit of it. Uh, and um, you know the replicator uh, for food, uh, although 3D printing, they're saying you know that's kind of close now. Uh, but space travel in general is uh, you know, hockey puck. It's it's poppycock. So there's that. Um, so. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, and what were we talking about? Exactly? I know I cracked myself up no. because I started having thoughts. I'm like, that's not that's not appropriate. <laughs> I can't say those things, but um, it is funny. Um, yeah. In fact, I heard Ceiling Fan Man earlier today referring to uh, an old TV show, My Favorite Martian. I'm like, oh, it tells me how old how old you are, dude. Um, yeah, with uh, My Favorite Martian, Uncle Uncle, Uncle Martin. Uh, so they've been again pushing the uh, uh, the, the uh, alien narrative for a very long time. The friendly uh, alien uh, that gets stuck here. <clears throat> so uh, we got that going for us, which is which is nice. Um, so uh, to to that regard, anyway, um, yeah, I, I would love to see uh, some uh, people get together and try to uh, work some of these things out. And you know, I loved uh, the idea of the uh, the guy with the uh, supposedly had the hoverboard with the bees' wings on it. I mean, I would I would. Again, hard hard to verify, um, but but I would love to try it. I'd love to try any of those things. Um, but I think again, electricity, magnetism, those are the keys to everything. I think that's where we're gonna. Um, if you're I gonna agree. find. If you're going to find something that really works, um, that would work. And it's certainly that, um, you know, anti-inertial dampening field uh, would be um, to create a bubble around you. That, hey, that, uh, have you guys heard of something called the Searle Effect Generator created by a gentleman named John Searle over in England? Wow, that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. you're it to... sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. The BBC yeah. did a documentary on it. You can find it here on YouTube. Yeah, he right. created a flying saucer made out of balsa wood that was doing hundreds of miles an hour, stopping on a dime. He had people from NASA, JLP come out. They were all mind blown because huh. they were watching them build it. Yeah, this was in the seventies, and they yep. yeah, it's it's gone. Yeah, I can't find anything about that online anymore. Talk but, about that uh, for a moment. I've, I'll be right back, guys. Yeah, I've I've done a little bit of looking into it, and at one point he claimed that for about thirty-five to forty thousand dollars he could build you a Searle effect generator, and this is like uh, pretty much a free energy device. It's an over Unity uh, device that is actually able to generate electricity just out of the ether, essentially. And uh, I guess through his early years of trying to develop this device and what it is, is it uses uh, different uh, interspaced, like specific magnets, like rolling magnets. It's hard to describe. They're like little wheels within wheels. And they all just spin in, in unison. They have to be spaced perfectly apart and have to meet certain criteria. And with this, he's able to create this this generator that uh, allegedly works and creates these uh, anti-gravitic type effects. So he actually learned uh, through trial and error after he had some of them float away into space and disappear on him into the sky yeah. forever yeah. that he had to like anchor it down to the ground in order to actually use it as an energy device rather than, uh, uh, you know, get that ancillary effect from it. But he allegedly had uh, built several of these devices and tested them with many, many witnesses who were there to verify that it legitimately works. And I, I always found this a fascinating thing. And I just can't, within the past couple of years now, find much of anything online about it anymore. There used to be a lot more information about it. And this is something I think, you know, is worth looking into. 
uh, just the way he he developed uh, this device and how it works. It's I forget exactly how many different magnets he puts in it, but there's like three different rings of magnets, and I think it's like twelve um, magnets to a ring, and they're all circular shaped magnets, and they're all have to be perfectly spaced and that kind of thing. But just to activate it, all you got to do is push one. It's move. more than a magnet as well. They're um they're like wrapped in different types of metal. Right, right. Yeah, they they're, are. Yeah, it's it's very complex, but it's doable. You know, you could have somebody, you know, that knows what they're doing with the material create that for you. Like you said, thirty five, forty thousand dollars. Right. And you can and do it one would of these. Be just the one time cost to build this thing and the ramifications of something like that would be enormous. Um, I also would highly recommend anybody who's interested in looking into uh, what's termed electrogravitics, uh, check out the work of one T Townsend Brown. Uh, he actually developed a lot of working prototypes uh, in something that he called project winter Haven that actually got Navy approval and went deep black in the 1950s. So, this is another area where uh, you could kind of see that many of these these types of technologies are out there and have been in development for a long time. And you'll also notice, I, I think we did a uh, Crow 777 episode that talked about this, some of the implications of this, but the year the that NASA... We, we did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the year NASA incorporated was the year all the electrogravitic research went dark, deep black, you brought that up because you you had, you had had a bunch of documents on this stuff, or well, you were trying to find out. You had some stuff, but you said you couldn't find yeah. much more. Like what you had, no, no, the trail goes dry. In that's like what you said. Yeah, you said seven or something the, the trail like that. And then, and then, like there was one thing popped up in 1962 about electrogravitics, but that's it. And you don't see anything else like in the research anywhere, anything beyond that. So it, it's something that's kind of dropped, you know, out of. Uh, out of the information circles out there that you could find this stuff. So well, we it's know damn well that electromagnetics will manipulate whatever you want to call gravity. It it manipulates the nature of things so that you can do something that is akin to anti gravity. We know this. Like like the people have done this on their own. Yeah. Um, so I have a question. Maybe um, Zach, maybe you could answer it. Or I see Cammy is in chat. Maybe she could answer it for me. Um, something I actually <laughs> couldn't work out. Um, so I was playing with um, neodymium magnets um, when I was working in the audio manufacturing, uh, and we were, you know, of course, it's uh, now newer technology for, um, you know, drivers for uh, for transducers. It's a you know rare earth metal. And They're super here, powerful an magnets that are considerably more light weight than some of the older nickel cobalts and all those other ones sure. ceramics uh, yep so here here's an interesting um <laughs> here's an interesting effect so um playing around with it got a very powerful uh, neodymium magnet ball and it was about mm, one and a half inch in diameter um and, and uh when dropping that through an aluminum pipe that was two inches in diameter so that the sides never touched and aluminum is not a good um, a conductor of magnet um, magnetics uh, you drop it through <laughs> so you hold the pipe in a vertical orientation and you drop uh, the ball uh, in uh, the magnetic ball into that uh, pipe and what happens is it slows down to about half speed 
<laughs> not touching the sides. It's never attracted to the sides. It slows down to about half seeds and uh, speed until it reaches the bottom, then drops out and returns to full speed. Um, I never could wrap my head around exactly what's going on with that, but I watched it happen over and over again. I sat there for three or four hours just doing this, going, and then I, you know, every bit of research I could come up with, I could not explain uh, what was going on. Um, can, can you help me out, Zach? I might Lenses be able to help you with that, too. Oh, okay. I'm just <laughs> dumb, maybe. <laughs> go ahead, Zach, go first. Yeah, I was just saying, uh, Lenz's Law. It's, um, it doesn't, it doesn't, it isn't attracted to aluminum, a magnet, just like um, copper or bronze, right. things yep. like that. But it does induce a magnetic current when a magnet is run through it. Almost like right. an electric current is being run through it. It'll create its own magnetic field, and it's right. like an. I got that far. Yeah. So I got that. I got that far on my own. But what? Um, but the antigravitic effect was where I couldn't necessarily work out why it was causing it to slow to almost exactly half speed. I did the timing on it, not quite half speed. Was it cycling um, though, like like going down then then coming back up? Nope. Nope, it no. just slows down to about half speed until it reaches the bottom of the tube and then just drops out and returns to normal. Uh, everything returns to normal. So it doesn't um, – the, the only thing that happens is it slows down. And it, hmm. In fact, that effect doesn't start until it gets about um, four or five inches down the tube, so depending on how long the tube is. So it takes a moment for that to – for it to build up uh, enough of a magnetic field to do it. Uh, but again – uh, it's it's a fascinating thing. So Lenz's law, um, okay, I didn't put a name to it, but I understood it was uh, it was in, inducing a magnetic field. But it's the antigravitic effect. Uh, well, again, uh, gravity is again, we're just using that as a term right, to exactly. talk about a down <laughs> okay. a downward vector at you know um, nine point eight meters per second per down. second. Right, go fall down, go boom. So I'm just okay. So uh, Wayne, you, you said you, you had an answer for for my dumb self. Okay, well, here's here's what you could do. I got a homework assignment for you. Okay. I know this is a rare thing. I'm giving Paul the no, I'm giving Paul the homework assignments, so you know, like this is a rare thing, guys. Uh, okay, look up on YouTube. You can still find the videos. There's a gentleman who used to work for Lockheed. His name was Boyd Bushman. I he see. actually did an interview with uh, I think it was David Sarita, where he talked about this very effect and how. They had done different experiments right at Lockheed with this, and and with one of these magnets of different poles pushing against each other, right? Right, and, and so and it would he had, defy he the downward vector. Them. Yes, right. And this this is something he talks about, and he could uh, go into a little more detail. He does, in fact, in one of the videos that I saw, talks about that. that in, yeah, he talks about that in more detail as to what's going on with that. Uh, so, so that it I does get. have to do. Th those are active magnetic fields working um, in tandem and against one another, and I, I get that. Uh, so I'm trying to, yeah, I'm just trying to put it all together with the magnetic field within the, um, the that's being induced uh, to to reduce its its to to that because what he described is was not that. Um, uh, th that if I mean the, he was it was measurable and he, it was even noticeable what he described. Right. But what I'm talking about was like half speed, dude. It was crazy. Yes, he also in one of the videos he does an experiment exactly like what you're describing too, and he shows okay. that and explains how that exactly works. Right. I think it's in the same video, so you you could actually look into that and see. And it does have to do with that Lorenz's law. Um, okay. 
you know, that, that kind of a thing, if you're looking at the mainstream uh, physics response to that. But what you have to realize is uh, Lockheed and other companies, right, have have studied this in depth and they understand that the, the physics model we're given doesn't work. Right. So, I mean, I think you're looking well, yeah, at something right, more to, akin to the, the ether effect of things. If you go back and look at, like, Maxwell's equations and stuff yep. like that. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you should be able to... You should be able to notice that uh, th- this is what's going on, and this is what Bushman uh, describes in the video that that they knew going back to uh, you know these physics studies from the 1800s that were looking at ether and stuff of of that nature were more correct than the modern physics they had. So they have had an off the books program looking at how this physics works, and Lockheed I'm sure has a complete understanding of it at this point. Because they, they're reported to build certain things that actually utilize a lot of these effects. And one of these is the B-2 bomber, which actually uh, electrifies its hole and negates uh, about 50% it, of its it weight what? in flight. It does what? It electrifies its hole. <laughs> and, and, and not its hole, H-O-L-E, H-U-L-L. It's hole. So we're not electrifying okay. anybody's holes here. Okay. Uh, okay. Get your mind nice. out of the gutter, man. <laughs> like but, what? Uh, it, it, it's, it ionizes its hole with electricity and causes a 50% r- weight reduction. So it saves it, itself a lot of uh, different uh, yeah, fuel and stuff. That would be, that would be uh, so, very effective. Absolutely. And th- See, that's this is now. And there's other unacknowledged uses of that technology. Oh, I love this stuff. This is this is what uh, gets my my juices flowing. Paul <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, but uh, uh, as soon as we get settled, get Bob and Cammy settled in somewhere around here, we're going to be doing the Boyd Bushman drop test. I actually have four two hundred pound magnets. I have north mm-hmm. north and then south to south compressed mm-hmm. to what you're touching. Yeah. Okay, so you know what you know what I missed is I missed um, I, I was listening to it while I was driving and so and then um, I got through driving and I you know got busy. I wanted to see um, your experiments that um, you did following Ken Wheeler with the the water and the magnets and the water and freezing it and getting the egg shape out of it. What uh, what was the outcome of that? I left it in there too long or a vibration happened when I opened it. It was completely frozen solid. Interesting because I because I. Um, it doesn't freeze until there's a vibration or something. You know, yeah. it has to be disturbed yes. somewhat. It'll flash freeze like that. In, in fact, yeah, that's the, the very back of the top layer of my refrigerator <laughs> um, is where I put um, water, right, in containers. And uh, it is exactly the right temperature that if I slowly take it out, it's still liquid. As soon as I open it up and disturb it in any way, it immediately um, crystallizes. I can do it every single time. It's exactly the perfect temperature with um, distilled water. It does that exact, exact thing. As soon as you uh, disturb it, it immediately um, flash freezes. You can see the watch the crystals form and it tastes amazing. <laughs> the first one I tried, I flash froze a spire sticking out of the water about maybe inch and a half, two inches. Yeah. It just served and something happened and the water jumped up and then and it just flash froze. froze. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. I have a couple pictures, but I wish I would have documented it a lot better. I thought I was going to be able to maybe do it again. That was so stupid of a thought. Because, mm. yeah, I've tried it a few different times and it doesn't. Not even close. Right. I would give uh, at this point. I can uh, I can say this with actual honesty. I would give my left testicle for a, a fully functional physics. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm not planning to use those things for much more. Anyway. <laughs> so, and I've you got still got trophies. one more? No, I've got sex trophies, and they have. They're. I've got grandkids now, man. I'm. I'm doing good. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. I'm all set. I, I like my sleep too much. Uh, but uh, no, I, I would absolutely love to have a fully functioning physics lab. Um, even even a small one, just the, you know, electricity and magnet chemistry. Oh man. <sighs> This is getting <laughs> there. I'm working on it. I know. Nah, people I in the chat are my... just shaking their head, going, "What the fuck is wrong with this?" Guy? <laughs> we so are nerds, much, ladies so and gentlemen. We're nerds. Much. We're all science nerds. <laughs> oh, the where the the list? What is the list of what's wrong with me? That's that's the question. Oh, uh, I think I've got it somewhere, but it's, I'm always adding to yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's supposed to be in the safe deposit box, uh, Jason. So, um, <clears throat> thanks. I thought you were my friend. <laughs> oh, I thought you said P.O. Well, box. Yeah, right. What, what people need to realize, though, when they're listening to us, the whole conversation tonight started with, well, well, I used to be friends with this lady who had a detonator license, and we would go around and blow things up. So, you know, you know, the, the yeah, caliber of people trouble you're dealing outside. with here. Yeah, All right. <laughs> I get you. Well, I can even go back further than that. When say I was in middle school, and I was already making bombs um, of fairly substantial size, and we did um, very nefarious things with them. We were blowing up mailboxes and uh, <laughs> all kinds of trouble. I got. I mean, at one point, uh, the one that I described with the car, um, <laughs> the story behind that was a, was a, a redneck guy that I know. I won't give away any names, but it was in rural Texas, uh, and he had um, he, he had up and married this gal, and she was a hoe bag. <laughs> <laughs> and so within about eight months, um, she had done run off with one of his friends and he had bought her this car. And uh, so she had she had done run off. And um, so he took that car. He wanted to blow the car up. And so we spent a weekend with a keg of beer. Uh, and I was like, I don't know, 20 years old at this time. So we spent uh, a weekend with a keg of beer and some, again, no, ammonium nitrate. Uh, we had some blasting caps. We had a core stick of dynamite uh, and, <clears throat> and a machine shop. And so we, we built a pretty good bomb and we... Um, <laughs> We stuck it uh, in that vehicle and we blew it the fuck up. And and what happened? Oh my gosh! So yeah, it, again, the size of the hole was pretty impressive. Like, um, and uh, but the a piece of metal again, uh, the largest piece we could find was actually this four by four uh, piece of the firewall. And it actually came down in the field um, next door and hit a cow and knocked the cow out. <laughs> we watched it happen, and the gal come running out of her house. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, and knocked brings a new new so, new meaning to cow tipping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we watched it. It's like comes down, you know, it comes down and um, hits him right in the head, and then the cow goes down. And we're like, oh crap! And the the gal next door, she comes running out of her house, and she is pissed. She's got her shotgun. You know, she's like, <laughs> you killed my cow. And um, she just said, so, I'm not marrying anybody. <laughs> no, she was old, and uh, she was uh, very angry. And then, uh, but the cow did get up; it just knocked him out. So we were glad because the cows are expensive. I don't know if you know, it's, yeah. you know thousands of dollars to yeah. replace a cow. And so, um, but then immediately, um, the uh, every letter in the alphabet showed up. So the ATF, the FBI, the <laughs> I'd say LAPD, but you know, um, but uh, Texas Rangers, and um, oh, there was thirty or forty of them, and they all showed up at the same time, uh, and they immediately um, separated everybody right so uh, they immediately took us all got us all separate and like what the hell are you boys <laughs> now boy i said <laughs> boy <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you boy <laughs> now whose bright idea was this bullshit anyway <laughs> 
That's what happened. Um, and th- I mean, amazingly, um, nobody really got any of the trouble. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, the guy whose property it was and whose car it was his car that you know he blew up. He had the title to it, and it, it, we, it did take. He did get taken in for a little bit and um, had to explain things, and so he was uh, not allowed to to play with things that go boom anymore. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was um, uh, afraid <laughs> thereafter, um, but it was pretty impressive. <laughs> And it makes a fun story now, but um, there was a moment um, we went from, uh, you know, I went from fairly liquored up and um, <laughs> <laughs> took Stone Cold Sober real fast when, when the Popo done showed up and they, um, we're going to, you know, pop a cap on you boys and you start talking right now. Um, yeah, so that, <laughs> that does happen. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. So, yeah, that's, uh, I had some experience with that. So. All right, so we uh, <laughs> we're, we're here. Your stories have been quite amusing as always. Now, um, yeah, let's let's just sign off. I'm tired. So, Zach, you're the new guy here today. Do you want to tell anybody anything about who you are, what you do, where in the world is Carmen San Diego, all that kind of stuff? Um, sure. I'm Good Times for All on YouTube. G U D T I M S, the number four A L L. I try to stay pretty low key. Um, for the most part, I don't, I hang out on Iron Row Media on Friday nights and I do Ironworks on TFR with Josh Corey and Walt Johnson every Tuesday and Friday morning, way too early. Actually now it's only 5 a.m. on the East Coast, so it's not early for me anymore, but Hmm. 5 a.m. Eastern and 4 Central. Yeah, it's early Tuesdays and Fridays, but we have a lot of fun over there. Cool. Yeah, I've been, I've been there as a guest on the Friday evening. It's a, it's a blast. You guys are awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, I've been on Iron Realm Media a bunch. Nice, nice group of folks there. All right, Baldini, what you got going on? Uh, same, same shit, different day. I mean, <laughs> no, there's a poppy. It's all brown. Report, uh, to, yeah, it's all brown. Uh, part of the Brown Food Group. Uh, Poppycock to more, uh, report tomorrow morning with uh, your lovely Rose Triple Seven on her channel, Rose Triple Seven channel. That uh, happens at six a.m. Uh, Pacific, very, very early, uh, nine a.m. on the East Coast, and then uh, I'm back on the weekend with Unintended Consequences. That's my channel, uh, nine a.m. live stream every Saturday uh, as we take a look at uh, developing stuff for the uh, from the Awakening Project, primarily uh, other stuff as well. And then on Sundays, I do two streams: uh, one very early, seven a.m. on the Pacific. Uh, time zone uh which is just um that's ancient wisdom for a modern world just a real brief look uh at um some wisdom from scripture and then every other week wayne mccroy uh who's here uh joins me um i do it every week but he joins every other week for solar scripture and that's sunday evenings at 5 p.m pacific 8 p.m eastern time as we dig in uh to ancient scriptures and take a look at uh we've been looking in the book of genesis and uh trying to better understand taking a look at um the creation story the, we just did the flood story so taking a look at some of that stuff it's pretty interesting if you want to drop by um always a, a good time to see you folks there and then you know i can show up here and there and everywhere anybody will have me i'm a, I'm a whore <laughs> mercy you're on fire tonight uh, wayne you got anything you want to tell anybody about other than the fact that you're you are indeed the one and only wayne mccroy i am indeed the one and only wayne mccroy uh, i don't know if i'm the only there might be other ones out there who knows uh but uh well you're the you only know, one in my book yeah, yeah, I'm the I'm the only one that people know of around here. But uh, at any rate, uh, I have my uh, YouTube channel out there if people want to check it out. Alchemical Tech Revolution, and uh, you know, go files sub from that the... channel. Go yeah, sub go, his go channel sub right now. Yeah, we got to get him up to a thousand. So if he feels like live yeah. streaming, he can. Everybody, go sub Wayne. Wayne, say yeah, it three times. 
right now. Alchemical Tech Revolution. Revolution. Alchemical Tech Revolution. Yes, thank you. Alchemical Tech Revolution. Yeah, do it right now. You Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You close your eyes. You you want to go sub to Alchemical Tech Revolution. There's 405 people that this thing is showing me just on YouTube and 100 100 even on D Live. If you guys all go sub, he's got over a thousand. Make That's it so. Right. That'll be fan friggin' tastic because I, I I got a million things on my plate all the time. Uh, files from the Conspiratorium on Facebook. People can check me out there. Working on my third book right now. Hope to have that out by mid September or right around a certain you know important day in September because I want to leverage the sky clock against the power structure. So, with that being said, that's what I'm. My plan is for the book. Hope to have it out and available then. Uh, also, just did a nice interview with a gentleman named Mark Gray over in Normandy, France. Uh, his channel's called Dimensions TV. If people want to check that out, that was a pretty good interview. And uh, had a bunch of people from over in Europe reaching out to me now, so I might be doing some more shows here in the near future. And uh, I'm going to be working on a documentary project with uh, the one and only Richard Willett over at Iconic. Oh. So uh, it, that should be an interesting thing. That's... Uh, you know, set to start uh, being produced here sometime in September as well. So Dude, you're more of a whore than I am. What's I am. I'm telling you. I'm, you know, and I'm here every Wednesday night because you know this. This is you know pretty much home base. Oh, so. you're slumming. You're slumming with us. We know you want to hang out with the cool kids, but you're slumming with us. I, I get it. That's all right. I've been uh, kicked out of better place than this. <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, I know it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All right, and so me, tomorrow... Me and Baldy on Sunday nights, too. Catch me and Baldy on Sunday nights, every other Sunday night for Solo Scriptura. That's good, too. We're Someday we're going to do Baldy in the Brain, and you can yes. you know who's who. Then <laughs> I have to work on that. We've batted around the idea of the Baldy in the Brain project. Would anybody be interested in that? In yeah. a Baldy in the Brain show? Maybe a podcast of some sort? Of some Something sort. a little bit more hearted. I was once in a three-piece band called Fat, Drunk, and Ugly. <laughs> they say, which one are you? I'm like, take your pick. <laughs> Just say yes. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That works. <laughs> Have you ever looked at Pinky and the Brain as being the exact opposite? Pinky's the genius, and the brain is the one who's insane? Think about it. I just haven't even watched the show very much. I mean, I know what it is because it's culturally relevant, I suppose. But Pinky always seemed it. like he had more common sense. What are we yeah, going to do today, Brian? <laughs> you know? He was always happy. I mean, and the brain's the one that's miserable trying to do something that he's never going to do. So who's really the genius and who's the one that's insane? Hmm. Interesting. So maybe that's the uh, premise of our show, Wayne, uh, is that we have on people like Zach and uh, Ceiling Fan Man, and we have them on and uh, pick their brains. Maybe. We'll have to work on this. We'll iron out the details. Figure, figure it out. We'll take suggestions, right? <laughs> what should we do? Stay. I'll give you 20 bucks to stay off the air. <laughs> that, Please shut it. up. Here's $20. Yeah, we'll have a Patreon account. Just, okay, we'll keep giving you money if you, if you just promise never, <laughs> never to broadcast anymore. again. <laughs> and then you have to do an episode every now and then called I Warned You. I'm, I'm Live. I Warned You? I, I Warned You I'm Live. Never speak to me again. <laughs> That's beautiful. I think all we're right. all overtired um, well, here. I, I'm going to go spend time with my lovely bride. Uh, she's better looking than all of you guys put together, except for Zach. He's a he's a very attractive man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Thank you, Bob. All right, last thing here. Uh, tomorrow morning will be the release of episode 241 on crow777radio.com. That's crow with two R's. And that is with uh, Benjamin Balderson, the one and the only. We're going to talk about cymatics and some other good stuff. And then your Saturday episode this week will be with the one and only Dave J. He came out of hiding to tell us some good stories. So there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for being here, all you wonderful people. I hope we entertained you at, at the very least. Hopefully you learned something. <laughs> yeah, <right>. uh, <laughs> the last half an hour got just a tiny bit silly, but that's okay. That happens. But anyway, guys, have a great night. See you later.
Thank you.